Did we launch? Launch. Just welcome, like that. welcome, welcome to new official home of the Alfalfa Podcast. Um, so we spent how many hours yesterday? Putting yeah, at up least these seventeen foam walls. There are um, some blemishes, some perfections. Don't tell them that. No, I am going <laughs> to no, tell them. No, I, I, I can see some uh, Armand squares that that are problematic. But this then, whole side right here is a complete blunder. This is after, by the way, I completely took down entire columns of Armand to yeah. realign them. You can't take down columns of Armand. I'm, I'm impenetrable. The man does not have any... Did lose a, he does not have any angles. Did lose a race today. He's not a protractor. Can we talk about the race? How much money did you guys lose on me today? Uh, I won. My Venmo is bountiful. I bet against you, pal. Yeah? Yeah, sure did. Steven did. full Venmo. Steven, that was really heartwarming how you bet on me. Look, I honestly thought you would beat Yaniv in the sprint, and I was wrong. Okay, hold on. Let's yeah, paint a picture. The sandbagging son of a bitch didn't tell us he has like five state records. Let's paint a picture. We just came from a baseball game. <laughs> uh, Nick... Nick, his business, just uh, hosted their company retreat, which he uh, cordially invited the Alfalfa podcast to as well. He's Thank you, kind. Nick. Thank you, 4AM Media. Chris, 4AM Media. So we went to the Padres game, and uh, naturally it devolved into um, gambling, as it, as it well, so often I, does. First of all, I wanted to entertain. Is what it evolved. Armand, into. thank you so much for providing the. You wanted to plus the experience. So what thank we you. did, what, what happened was first I challenged Adrian to a um, pitching. Uh, speed contest, which he yeah. backed out of immediately. Yeah, I mean, um, he did not. He was eager to throw against you. No. So yeah, there was there was no um, what is the like the velocity meter? There was no like yeah. mile radar per gun. hour. There was no radar gun. Wait, in the by stadium. the way, did you look in the Discord? I, I asked the Discord to guesstimate what you would throw. Did they all say ninety eight? Their numbers were hilariously bad. What like, did they? What were they? What did like, they guess? Marty McFly, the I think, said seventy three. Okay. Which made me really discount his tinfoil credentials because wow. there's there's just no way. I'm sorry, that's Marty. That's all it took? Um, that's all it took to discount Marty? Look, if, <laughs> if this man thinks guess? Armand can throw a 73, what else does he I'm what else Randy does he believe? Johnson of, like, <laughs> I would amateur baseball. I wish I could, pitching. like, zoom into this right arm that you have here. Uh, yeah. It's a slider of the century yeah right you here. don't even know what that that's such a weird analogy by the way <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know that's like saying like i'm the michael jordan of amateur basketball don't worry about it so okay um, yeah so let me continue so that that velocity meter the radar gun didn't exist at the stadium they took it out two years ago due to liability reasons naturally um <laughs> so, so instead, what do you think happened do you think people just tore their rotator arms yeah, yeah, yeah. every three days this is yeah. obviously too dangerous to <laughs> yeah, have in the stadium a bunch of lawsuits there's drunk morons like ourselves in there that are going to hurt ourselves yeah. so instead of in lieu of that we just had like a physical foot race where armand and uh one of Nick's uh, partners, Yaniv, raced. Uh, it was probably like a, it was like a forty-yard dash-ish type thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it was more. Maybe was, like a sixty-yard 60 dash. Sixty-yarder. Sixty-yard dash, and, and the uh, motherfuckers like a gazelle. Yeah, what he did, what Yaniv didn't tell anybody is that he set state records in high school, and he slow played that. He. Told I don't me, even know anything about right. Like so track. he told me that on the side. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I, I took action on you, Neve, of course. Of course. But I did give Steven the choice. I said, Steven, it's your call. Whoever you want to take, I'll take the opposite side. Anyway, the, the money alpha here is to gamble with your head, not with your heart. 
Ooh. My head knew that our mom was going to go down in flames, but I felt oh, bad. My God. I felt bad after just absolutely shitting on his arm, yeah. which I now feel validated for because there's no way after that leg. So the, the man plays soccer for a living. There's no way the arm is better. So, so first of all, soccer players aren't fast. So, so are you? <laughs> no, seriously. We we can't can't they are. Hold on. No, we're, we're faster than like. A, a freaking you know like a, a lot of other types of Baseball athletes but, player. but a track athlete the guy is a track first of all shout out to you Neve. the guy's a goddamn gazelle 10.8 this guy's like five seven 10.8 in the 100 meter in high school he said yeah i don't even know what that means i've clocked myself i don't even I know what that, no what that means seconds. i've clocked myself Within 14 seconds. three seconds he was like six feet beyond me it was just like unbelievable it looked like i looked over at him and i just completely gave up he was just like flying he was well, just I don't, guiding well that's normal with the, the short guys but i thought you would kind of kind of you know accelerate I, I and no it was apparent to me after two seconds that you were not gaining any ground yeah. and then i just took the bill out of my wallet <laughs> while i videoed you and it was over and that's that thank You're you steven welcome, so. thank you for the uh, 20 dollars. i'll put it uh to eth and i'll i'll be like uh you know yeah. doing my part yeah, we'll not, look out for the green candle. Not, not yeah. the first twenty dollars I lost today. Uh, I'm here to entertain. That's why I do this podcast. Can we I'm talk about? Can we talk about uh, the other wager that was on the table? I think that was Yaniv yeah. betting twenty thousand dollars that he'll be able to throw seventy right. miles an hour. That's right. No, Stephen bet Yaniv that there was no way he would hit seventy miles per hour within seventeen months. We can't just watch months? a baseball game. Can he just we? pulled no. it out of his ass. You really pulled that out of your ass. What? Seventeen months. Like what was that? No, seventeen is a funny number. I just like to say it because yeah, it sounds too. funny. I like I like, like seventeen 47. months. I'm were like, you way funnier like, than twelve? Were you months. ready to go twenty k on this wager? Because like, absolutely, because if I bet twenty thousand dollars on Yaniv, there is no fucking way he's going to sit there and go, okay, wait a minute, am I going to wake up every day for the next year and a half for like fifteen hundred dollars a month and train to throw a baseball? No, and he's just going to give up. And I mean, if I over. was going to win 20K... I'd like, if I bet him a million dollars, then I would be concerned. I still think he would lose. I don't think he's going to throw a baseball 70 miles an hour. Whatever but, this is, I like it. I'm with this whole... Degenerate like, gambling? Yeah, just like... <laughs> maybe we start, like, recording these. We make it part of the pod. Like, we do a little bit, like... I love that you guys, you guys are all coming full circle now in my prior life you're like you know it'd be fun just gambling for money all the time i mean if we can uh, well we is can, your life fun today you still gamble for a living i feel like yeah i gambled like 20 dollars and lost and i was like haha i'm mm. stupid uh, i kind of feel like you gamble just using lines as the justification it's fine it's fine i had a bad day trading and oh. i lost 20 dollars it's, it. it's not a good day to make uh -oh. that joke my bad <laughs> <laughs> um what are we talking so about today let's let's talk about yeah, what we're, we're gonna, talking about we're gonna quick, segue into the actual quick, podcast so, now yeah well no there's no segue it just happens it just happens just spontaneously happens without, yeah it just happens it's all right just, do even, it you don't even know what's happening do it segue me so a little a little bit off alpha podcast update obviously like we have a new home we're settled mm -hmm. in we're going to be doing this once a week now and we're going back to the old format there was a time uh sort of our uh our goats and our og members will recall when we uh transitioned from one long episode to three and there was some controversy around like is this the right move should we do this is this good is this bad and we did it and we stuck to it for a while then we went to two episodes per week and as many people know we sat down and we record just once a week but we were dividing it up into multiple episodes to give people like money politics and life anyway we're back to an everything episode and we're going to be covering 
money, crypto, politics, culture, and life, and technology, and all the things within this episode. And we're going to be live streaming it. So long story short, show up at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube every Wednesday to join us live. And we're going to be making this better and better every week. Or you can listen uh, on the podcast player of your choice on Friday mornings. We hope you join us live because we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff. And as you can see, we've really invested our heart and energy into creating a really fun space for this to do this live. And Look at this fun. studio, guys. It's really Can we take awesome. a moment? Can we take a moment? It's to really appreciate? great. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> who, thought, who thought we'd be Yo, Can we just give like a shout out? Been there. Can we give a shout out to Steven for, for that nice little piece right there? Out of all of us, I didn't oh, yeah. think you'd provide a decoration accoutrement. Look at, uh, uh, point to it, you guys, just real quick. It's like a, a sheaf of wheat, like yeah. as if it were uh, an alfalfa emoji. And then are we thinking about like a neon sign here? In sure. the center shot. Well, we don't really have a third camera to even capture that we'll, right we'll now. Get we'll, get we'll, that. we'll get there. We'll get that going. So we're talking about ETH today. We're talking about some price uh, predictions from all the way from bearish scenarios all the way to very bullish scenarios that we'd like to see. And then we're going to transition into um, doing our best to uncover what's going on with the Ledger Recover, um, Recovery Recover uh, program and product that they've released. Um, which will be an interesting discussion. I'm actually really excited about that because I want to dig into the nuances of, of that because we've talked about this a lot. And I think that they're trying to do something good for adoption. Then we're going to um, dive into Karen AI, um, which I'll just tease by saying there's a chatbot of a Snapchat influencer that made $71,000 in one week. And um, yeah, we'll see where else we go from there. Sounds good. So... If you're not excited about ETH price, my friend, you're critically underexposed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't you kick us off, Eric? Um, what's sure? Well, any any alfalfa round? Well, let's go in the alfalfa. Okay. Okay. So the money alfalfa that I want to share today. Well, I I didn't want to go first, but I will. Okay. So. Today was a sports day for all of us. We went uh, to the Padres game, right? We watched the Champions League final. I uh, have talked to Armand for a long time <laughs> about how I don't have a, a soccer team that I root for, but I do now, my friend. I thought you do. Well, I kind of I kind of really do now. Yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. This is like leading into my alfalfa, you guys. So Manchester United has a, has a publicly traded equity. It's ticker symbol M-A-N-U, Man U. Mm. Um, Manchester United is getting taken over, uh, very, yes. very nearly. Okay. So it's, it's is owned it, by, is it the Saudis? No. Uh, Qatar, uh, close uh, enough. same, same, but diff maybe. Yeah. Qatar. There's, there's two bidders. Okay. So it's, it's owned by this, um, Saudis are bidding. Okay. So it's owned by <laughs> an American family. They're, they're called the Glazers. They've been the, blowing it. The Glazers own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Florida Panthers, they're this, uh, wealthy, American family. They own Manchester United. And I think um, the people of Manchester have have grown tired of, of this ownership group. They're like rioting on the streets. They're like boycotting outside the stadiums or saying Glazers out. They're yeah, like, because just for context, it's like, man, you might be the most renowned club in the world other than like Real Madrid. So like for them to just not be at the top for so many years is like, People are losing their minds. Beautifully said. Thank you for that because this is like my thesis to, towards my money I'll have here is that like this asset is very valuable, okay? Mm -hmm. So when they're selling this thing, right? Um, let me just say that the, the, the stock price today is at about $18 and change um, and that equates to about a $4 billion enterprise value on, on the asset. 
um, I think this thing sells for an immense premium above that. So let's just use comparables for now. Um, Chelsea Football Club just sold for 5.25. The Washington Washington football team called the Washington Commanders sold for six-something. The Denver Broncos sold for six-billion-something. So Manchester United being this like, you know, like top tier asset, I think will command a premium price, you know, well above its current enterprise value of 4 billion. So what I'm doing on this is like selling the shit out of put options and I'm buying common, but like what I would like to do, like I think as, a, as we get closer to like a, an actual deal, I would like to buy call options. Um, the, if, if the, the buyout if the takeover occurs at five billion dollars the stock price would equate to about 30 it's at 18 now oh um so i think we even go north of that yeah. i think i think we go well That's north severely of severely underpriced yeah and and you know what dude we've talked for a long time about soccer like i haven't i've kind of been agnostic to the whole i've just been a fan of of the game weren't you a weren't you a leeds guy i'm a leeds guy because like <laughs> you know, like well, Leeds has uh, oh the three God. American players, so like I'm rooting. For, I love that. I'm rooting for America on that one. But then when I get into it more, it's like, well, selling so many goddamn puts on this thing, I better be a fan of Man United. Wait, uh, so the the market cap right now is three point one billion ticker symbol M A N U. So yeah, so three point one billion doesn't include the debt level. I think um, they probably have like seven hundred million in debt, so it's probably like three point eight on the okay. on the enterprise value. <laughs> If if they sell for five billion, that would still be under Chelsea, which I don't think they would sell for under like below what Chelsea sold for. I think they actually sell for above. So there's a bidding war between a, a British billionaire and a Qatari Sheikh, 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 uh, Qatari Sheikh, and the the Sheikh is like coming in with higher dollars, and the the British billionaire is saying like, well, I'll I'll let you still control twenty percent of the business. Um, but coming in a lower dollar amount. So I think that bidding war is like just pushing these prices higher. Like I am comfortable selling the puts below even current market price. So price today, 18 and change. This thing went IPO in 2012 at like 15, $15. So like I'm selling puts at 15. Like if I'm buying this asset at its 2012 price and it's 2023, that's fun, Alpha Alpha. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's and I get to be a little fan of uh, Manchester United. Like, if, if this thing goes gives below 16 and a half, like, I'm going to be put to a lot of shares. I'll probably be a 10% minority owner. So, you know, then I'll really be a fan. But as of now, this is this is my money, Alpha Alpha. I like that. Yeah, it's fun. And it's like you you kind of feel like a, a supporter of the team, a financial supporter of the yeah. team while you're root. I love that it's not just a degen gambler. Yeah, so bottom line is, like, I think this is a win-win scenario. Like I'm like the premiums, the premiums because the volatility is high, right? There's a takeover bid. What I what I find in like situations like this, like takeovers, you have like really high upside volatility. Yes. But then these the options get priced on both sides. You know, it's like these are priced on Black Shoals, which is prices in vol. Right. So like I'd happily sell the puts, and if I lose them, fine. Like I just own the out the common, fine. Like a steep discount to what I think the actual yeah. valuation is. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to shield Bitcoin brilliant. to the Qatari Sheik? 
I'm sure this Qatari sheik probably has like plenty of Bitcoin. But he's just, he's just like, yeah, we we it's called oil. We have that. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. sell it. Yeah, we don't need um, your coins. Like, but oil's still seventy. He's like, yeah, well, we just we just print like a hundred x of it and still sell it for seventy. Oh, and then we buy we buy soccer teams. This is so good. What are we drinking? By the we're way, we're drinking the wow. Nika. By the way, wait, is I'm, that the Nika? I'm having the Nika. The from Nika the barrel. from the barrel. I really like the Nika days. I've never had that. Uh, actually, obviously, Yamazaki Twelve is pretty outstanding. Shout out to Japan. You guys are I really good at making whiskey. One, I can't. Thanks, can you Japan. Guys, you guys <laughs> Alcan, Alcan by Japan. I mean, it's a Scottish word, so yeah, uh, it feels like it's a German word. Yeah, that looks German. Erica, it, it, it's really good. Max actually. in the chat wants to know what kind of money are you making on the puts? Like, how do you how uh, do you characterize that? Oh, uh, so um, it depends on like how close to you know today's price you want to go. Uh, but like, I have I have my own metric. I'm gonna switch to my own camera. I have my own metric that I've devised which nick has seen before which is i call it the juiciness factor which takes into account not only like the implied vol today and the premiums that you're getting but it's like the covered return that you're getting on the share so here's what's here's what's hard about selling options is calculating returns right and the idea what makes it hard is that like you basically don't have any collateral that you're putting down so like you you earn premium on nothing your returns infinity essentially so um what i use is, is called the covered return which says like if i were to lose all of these contracts how much money would i have to put out and then i calculate my return against that and uh to to max's question long story short is like um i can go like two standard deviations out of the money to a place that i feel very comfortable buying this thing and earn like fifty dollars uh, per contract and I'm selling a ton of them. Do you so, know off the top of your head what like if you had to equate it to an annual return what that looks like? Um, like on a weekly it's uh, I mean it's infinity. It's infinity. Right. But if you do the cover call. On a covered return it's it's well over the 1% a week that I am targeting. Goal. It's like probably double or three times. No it's actually five times that. Uh, the juiciness factor is above five. Uh, so we're talking about like a 250% annual return. If if you were able to capture this right. on like an ongoing basis, which you can't because like it's all about, you know, the takeover of all. But and uh the other assumption is you're okay holding the common if you get put the shares. And that yeah, that that's my that's my like real alpha is that like to me it's a win-win because if I if I can buy it at its 2012 valuation and it's 2023, what's happened since then? You know, like asset how much, prices. How much is Barso going for? Unfortunately, they don't have a common stock. Mm. I would probably wait. Wait, how many that. teams have stock? Yeah, is uh, this super common? No, not many, not many. And and in this particular case, too, Amanda's so Barca does, and no, Barca, does, Barca not. does not. Barca does not. That's just Armand's favorite team. Wow, that's Armand's favorite team. Uh, it does not have a common stock. I think there there are few that do. There are few that do, and like, uh, here's the problem. Honestly, with like, here's the downside with what I'm doing is that like i'm playing a game that is speculative in nature so like man U as a business doesn't make money and this is like common throughout all <laughs> sports franchises these businesses exist at an operating loss pretty much every it's like year. owning a winery yeah. yeah that's what they tell you but didn't jerry jones buy the cowboys for like 
eight dollars and now it's zero cash flowing asset appreciates amazingly that's it so like you those numbers weren't real by the way but they were approximate yeah so you bought you buy a sports franchise knowing that you're gonna have to like make cash outflows to operate this team but over time like the the valuation will increase and then you Mm -hmm. sell it to somebody else at a higher price so that's the game i'm playing like you know i'm buying buying it at like four billion and then i'm hoping to sell it to this qatari chic at uh six billion plus i like it and uh you know they're in a bidding war so like they're literally bidding over each other here's the problem the the british guy is not buying 100 percent of the business so he might not buy the common shares off of me but but the market will correct to whatever the value the valuation you would hope that the market sort of like that 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 gap narrows interesting but that's the game i'm playing okay all right um i got a little different type of alfalfa so um i was sitting in the airport and there's a lot of debt ceiling talk these days so uh, i had some time to waste and i figured i would walk through the 2011 debt ceiling timeline so, so you're at the airport yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold on, paint the picture. I'm you at the airport. Flight. I'm waiting for my flight, go. and I'm like, you know, hold what on. I, <laughs> you know, you what, know I what I should. You do. know what I need. <laughs> I was curious. You in a lounge at this point, or where are you? Uh, you know, I'm uh sitting uh waiting, ready to board uh, a one through fifteen on on Southwest the the bus. Damn, and, uh, Vino Volo. You're not. You're. you're in the yeah, it wasn't even Vino Volo on the in the winery. <laughs> And uh, I was like, man, I wonder what happened because it gets referenced often. Like, what happened in 2011? What happened in 2011? And the the short of it is that the the stock market tanked 20 percent in a very short period of time. So I was trying to figure out, well, what was going on and what was the timeline? So I'll give you my notes on it. Kind of what I what I learned is that in January of 2011, Timothy Geithner said uh, he was the then uh, Treasury Secretary. He sent a letter to Congress saying, "Hey guys." Uh, between March and the middle of May, we're going to run out of money. So you need to raise this debt ceiling now. Fast forward a couple months later, he says, May 16th is the drop dead date if you do not raise the debt ceiling. Um, and around that time, there was a little higher unemployment and it was slightly increasing. I think there was like a, like unemployment was around 14 million. So uh, it was a little, quite a bit higher than it was now. We're at secular lows. So keep that in mind. The, a deal... I mean, this was like in the press every day, like Obama versus John Boehner, uh, who's a, a Republican head of the of the House. And they were just going back and forth, like bloody mess, going on 60 minutes, battling each other and whatnot. But the short of it is, is that they didn't reach an agreement until like July 31st, well after the Treasury Secretary's, Treasury Secretary's said deadline. They actually did reach the debt limit on May 16th, and the Treasury started moving around money, literally not paying some bills. The market didn't really make a move until about three or four days before the day uh, the deal was reached on July 31st. So in that first bit, it went down 10%. And I think because the market was like, oh shit, we're well market past- stocks. Right, stocks. The S&P yes. 500 is what I was looking uh, at. Stonks, it's pronounced stonks. Stonks, sorry. Yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> strong, strong stonks. <laughs> um, and it went down 10% before this deal was reached. Once the deal was reached, it went down a further 10%. This is like well after Obama signed it into law. Wait, what year was this? This is 2011. We went on 20%? Yes. We, we, we quickly started to rally back, but it was a 20% in a couple of weeks. 
do you remember what was going on in 2011? Like, was this the time when they were like furloughing uh, government employees and Th- there was a government shutdown? Yeah, there also was a full during that shutdown. time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember this personally. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. And so the one thing to keep in mind is that at that time there was a little higher unemployment, and the biggest part of that deal was spending cuts. And so spending cuts cuts equal less liquidity in the market. And so I think that's something to keep in mind. Like if we start to see a deal forming and there is heavy spending cuts priced in this, you could see even after a deal is is inked, maybe maybe the market doesn't like that uh, there's less fiscal uh, stimulus being put in, into the market. And then the other part that we're predicting, and this is going back to our net liquidity uh, calculation, which again is the treasury, or sorry, excuse me, the, the Fed balance sheet minus the uh, re- reverse repo facility, and then minus the uh, Treasury General account, the, the, basically the government's got about like $80 billion left. And that's not a lot of money to have in their checking account. Mm-hmm. And uh, once a deal is reached, they're going to refill that checking account by issuing bonds and T-bills. And so that's going to suck a fuck ton of liquidity out of the market. And so uh, we could see that pull li- net liquidity down uh, right after. So let's see if spending cuts are, are on the table and uh, and how quickly this thing you know starts has, to uh, has Janet Yellen updated her guidance at all, saying that we, like we would be out of money by uh, what was it June? June one, and also first week of June. But I think going back to 2011, we know there's quite a bit of wiggle room when it comes to like uh, shifting around payments, as anyone would if we were all about to reach bankruptcy. You just kind of like mm. stop paying some people, put it off, move some money around, that kind of thing. So anyway, I thought um, share my notes on what I was a uh, Looking at in the uh, in the airport, twenty percent down, twenty percent down, ten percent before, and ten percent after the deal was reached, which mm. I thought was interesting. You know who doesn't care right now? The Nasdaq <laughs> pulled up because it chart. has those it has those five it's stocks like, that are just performing. It's just like fuck you, I'm going up. It just yeah, it yeah. doesn't care. No, it doesn't care about anything. It's like banks failing up, Nick debt is, ceiling up. Nick is exactly it, it, right. It just it's, doesn't care. It's driven by five components. And like the S and P, same. It's driven by its five largest components. It's market weighted, so like right. it's being held up. But the breadth is fucking disgusting. Everything down. I think it's also hard because like if we're talking about it on this podcast, it's probably priced into the market. You know, it's like there's there's very little that we talk. I think there's stuff we talk about in crypto that's not priced in because crypto is this very like wild west, borderline autist slash opposite of that market where nobody knows what's going on still smart money can't participate and weird stuff happens but i think like stocks stocks if you will like everybody right buddy yeah sorry (laughs) everybody knows what's like everybody knows about the debt ceiling and you get these weird periods where everybody knows like the banks are failing the debt ceiling's happening in the wrong direction and, and it just keeps going up and then you start asking yourself, like, wait, am I am I supposed to be buying here? Am I well, the, the market here? rallied today off of some like just positive comments, like face both sides saying we're not we're not defaulting on our debt, as in they felt confident that they'll reach a compromise. But that also happened. If you read back to the timeline, two thousand eleven, that happened multiple times, multiple. So we'll see. If if uh, yeah, I mean, I feel comfortable betting on like just the political strife and like just pure disagreement between both sides. Do you what? feel like you want to be short this market eventually, meaning like in, within the next I I revisited weeks? my uh, asset allocations also in the airport. And uh, out of my liquid net worth, half is in play and half is in cash. 
I remember when the, you, a lot you, more than I on one of your off half of rounds, maybe a couple of months ago, you said, if I see the S and P go to like 4150, then maybe I take a few more dollars off the table. Yeah. Like here I we did are. it 42 and change, I think. And like so if we go to like 42 and so change good. and 43 and change, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly uh, peel more off and then go short. Even, also, or? also, no, not short, not short, just in cash. And also if Bitcoin, you know, hits that 30 K mark, even goes above I'll I think I'll shave that off too. I think it's weird. This like time I felt very comfortable with cash. I don't know if it's just like feels good emotionally just to like know it's there and it feels must be nice. It feels comfy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like almost borderline college mode. Just tilting. <laughs> like like literally <laughs> yeah. like getting close. No, I'm fucking around. But like it's it's this is when you want it. Like this is when it all counts. Yeah. It's like this is the this is how you want to be prepared to take your time to deploy. And you've been very observant and cautious and waiting for the signal signals for a while. And like the fact that you're saying like you're you're exactly there where it feels good, you know, half in, half, half like ready to deploy. I think that's exactly I mean the play has been, be. you know, chop chop first half of the year and then yeah. assuming some kind of down big second half of the year. And we'll see if it comes. It, it certainly may not. Like, yeah, I think that's that's the key is that you're comfortable. How would you, you feel though? Yeah. Well, like, you're comfortable because you haven't been tested. Like right. if if you did your strategy, you sold at forty three hundred or whatever, and then you know Bitcoin goes to fifty k, then you're like oh, tilting. What, what did I do? I'm tilting. What yeah. did I do? Do you have no spot? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crypto, I, I think, is nine or ten percent total. You're such a nit. But I'm glad you have something. Um, yeah, but not at, having at any a, spot at a liquid is net worth, silly. it's 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 a lot more because yeah. keep in mind, a lot of my net worth is in illiquid real estate. So yeah, <laughs> it's not like I can like sell it and poor guy. I just wanted to just yell at you, <laughs> yell at me, yell. What do you got to say? No, just chirp, pussy, pussy shit. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> I'll uh, happily forward you my annual return. I think he's uh, <laughs> enjoying the chicks in the mail. <laughs> He's got, that, he's got, that, he's got that mailbox money. I just wake up and there's chicks in the mail. <laughs> mailbox money. I keep I hearing think he so has much no about. No problem with that. <laughs> Nick gets Call me a pussy if you like, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still get all the chicks. <laughs> all right, I got some alpha. All right, guys. Oh, hit me, um, baby. No, nah, it's mostly a, a a a very quick comment. I'm I'm proud of myself for not buying Pepe. Like I, I am told, extraordinarily I said, disappointed. In I you said that Pepe. people will get hurt. I said that I'm going to pass. I maintained my composure to not get involved, and I say this knowing that, like, we have a friend that turned a thousand dollars into five million and eventually got out for high six figures, and that's remarkable. That's incredible. He paper handed so, at 700k, yeah, 800k. Yeah, he got out for paper 700 and then and watched then it, it go to 5 million. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. $1,000. $1,000. So for you. So like smooth 700x. I was not in that position to have acquired that shit coin for, you know, uh, at, at, at the price that he did and at the time that he did. And therefore... I knew that I would be chasing a hopeless dream and I decided to pass. And in the past, in that cycle, I've made the mistake of chasing stuff like that. And, you know, you, you and I were talking, Stephen, 
so weird to sit next to you. I don't know if I like it. I feel closer to you, actually. I feel closer to you, but don't I don't know you feel if I, better with this arrangement. I mean, I feel good. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, but I you like guys are going to yell like, at it's each less other. Combative, and I'm not certain about this. <laughs> Give it a second. Like how this how this will be for our relationship. I feel like I want to yell at you more than that guy over there. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I'd like. He's to so far it. away from me. I can't. I barely know his name. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'll feel comfortable <laughs> throw barbs because you're just sitting next yeah, to maybe, each other. Maybe I'll just. I will you know, actually just stab you. Just I'm gonna get a little. It is stabbed. We are stabbed. Just start calling you an R word. Very <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> Even Mar Marty cut up to your comment. But, oh no, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember. But I remember, like you were like. I was like, dude, if we were in the the hype and the euphoria of the bull market and we were in meme coin land and that was the thing then yeah i would have chased it because uh depending on when i got in on that little mini meta game i i, I would have seen higher upside and i would have played it and i would have exited and, I, and and you called it easy you're like that's too easy but you like to gamble and you like hard mode i like easy mode and to me that was like not easy mode it was hard mode i wasn't willing to play it i wasn't willing to gamble and i passed and i feel good about it so i guess my alfalfa is just like after you've had some reps and you've taken your notes and you know what your plan is just fucking execute it like like know yeah. what you're comfortable with and execute it and be okay with it and be proud of it and be willing to come to your friends and be like yeah i stand by it like i'm i'm glad i could have made you know a hundred percent if I traded that perfectly and doubled my money, but like I'm okay because I didn't have to think about it for those two weeks at all. And I'm happier that I didn't have to think about it and I didn't stress for those two weeks. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. I'm not trying to be a hater here, but no, it's okay. I, I think still after all of this, Pepe is up almost two X after when you declared you didn't want to buy it. There's so many things up two X though. No, there's nothing. It's <laughs> no, I mean, Pepe it's was the, Pepe. the talk of the town. It was the, where the, all the attention is, but it's like, I don't need two X trades in a two week window right now. Like but that just doesn't it, do it. I, for I, I agree. And like, there's some people who just need to get the turns, right? The the big macro turns, like, are we risk on risk off risk on again? What am like, I going to do with a two week win? on like a small percentage with a tiny little bag. Like right. it's, I'm never going to full throttle on a two week trade. Like it's just not going to happen. Okay. For the audience out there, if you know that you can double your money in a week, you should definitely do it. Nobody no, should definitely that. do it. No one knew that. that. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> not financial advice. No, no, no. Look, it's like, right in the thumbnail. Let the it's right in the thumbnail. I don't have to drop the R that. word. First R word. First R word on air. No. Okay. I'm, I'm, partially trolling but there there is some alpha in there right there, there there's sort of two philosophies to trading at the extreme one is the lotto ticket philosophy we're like i'm gonna just drop 100 bucks into every frog coin i see and maybe one of them will 10,000 x right and then there's sort of like a trader mindset where you're like wow this trend is so fucking stupid but i know it's got a 2x in it i know it's got a 2x in it so i'm gonna get in I'm going to get out. I'm going to humbly double my money. And then I'm just going to go away. If you can do that, and I'm not saying like most of you can't do that. I probably can't do that either. I'm just lucky. But if you can do that, that's that's perfectly acceptable strategy, right? You just have to know what you're doing. Like what is the trade and why am I doing the trade? Um, yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to wait 
for the I, I think the guys who make out the best in the meme frothiness are the ones who wait and they go, hmm, okay, yeah, it is fully redacted right now. I am I am but I'm gonna jump in the pool. Can you just please acknowledge the survivorship bias of like meme coin frenzies? Like at least acknowledge it True. that it exists. Absolutely, which is why I'm saying is okay. if if you can trade, it's better to be a trade, it's better to be the humble trader who goes in, collects 20%. 30% in like two days and gets out. Like nobody's making a Twitter tweet about that. As we call them on Twitter, I'm, I'm told nobody's <laughs> tweeting about that. Like, Oh, I made 30%. Everybody wants to see the guy who made 700 X on Pepe. But, but for every one of the, yeah, there's like a survivorship bias thing for every one of those guys who tweets, there's a hundred thousand people who threw a thousand dollars in and it went to zero. Right. So that's like a false fantasy so, so chasing that is silly can i ask a question because i'm i'm an arm on when it comes to this stuff like I, I i know myself at this point i'm like a i'm a slow compounder that's like my that's in my dna but when i look at something like this i see pragmatism okay and what i see is this it's like for for people who have a lot of money it makes sense to just earn 5.25% in T-bills. That's great. You're going to make a fuckload of money just by having no risk. But for people with not a lot of money, you should get some exposure to these things. Like, like our buddy put $1,000 into this and turned it into $700,000. That's after he took a fucking 80% haircut. Like, that's fucking awesome. Well, to his credit... His commitment to being at the cutting edge of the industry paid off. The guy's in every Discord. The guy pays attention to everything going on. He's always looking for the next little piece of alfalfa. And cracking at and it for three or four years, by the way. He's been swinging and missing many times. Like him and I have talked about multiple misses. And all it takes is one of these, to Stephen's point about the lottery game. He got one right, and it's life-changing. So I think that's incredible if that's your game. Um, and especially if you have the time and and the, and, and the, the wherewithal and also the balls and to the, play that kind of game. And I think like, to, it takes back, big back to balls my point, to if you game. don't have a lot of money. Like, if you got a lot of money, yeah. you don't have to worry about this shit. You don't. If you have a few million bucks and you can kick back and you're like, I only need this much to live off of for the rest of my life and you can earn your 5%, like, why would you gamble? anymore and so. you gotta like troll these fucking discords and shit like what? it's a it's a hard life what do you guys think yeah gonna pay his taxes or no <laughs> I, <laughs> stop calling him to call him jason uh i, I was gonna his, say uh I thought his name was jim billy yeah yeah i thought his name was jim okay uh, so <laughs> jimbo enjoy your enjoy your spoils that's uh, uh fantastic do you have any alpha or do you want to talk van eck so I had, I don't know if it's alfalfa, but I had a long, like, for, sometimes I comment on a tweet and then I end up in this, like, seven day back and forth oh where they keep God. responding and I, I just have to keep. Wait, this is real? Yeah. Steve, oh you, you, need, you need bigger God. problems in life. Wait, wait, wait. Do you argue <laughs> on the internet? Or is this more intellectual? No, it was inter it was intellectual. It's, okay, ac it's actually a thing I'm interested in. Yeah. Right? So. You get a lot of engagement. I'm seriously just curious. I have no exposure. Yeah, no, you, you get world. a lot of engagement in ETH Twitter land if you go, ooh, look at ETH earnings, and then you make some tweet about the price to earnings ratio. And this is like a grinds my gears thing because like I feel like we can't put PE ratios on ETH, right? 
I feel like it kind of makes sense, but it doesn't. Like it's something that's directionally correct, but it's wrong. It reminds me actually of the Bitcoin stock to flow model, like a <laughs> few years ago, where everybody was like stock to flow, stock Wait, to flow, and everybody jumped it's still on that. Happening. Oh, he's he's trying to bring it back. Yeah, uh, RIP like, Plan B. Yeah. If you still follow Plan B at this point, just just delete your Twitter account and invest in index funds. Like you're just you're just, you're gonna die. So just just stop. Like he that that whole thing is great uh, archetype for how to create a sort of like viral. But by the way, handle, he, he, he got me hooked in a little bit. Like I, I he mean, got my he, attention. It was one of the first people I ever learned about. Look, right. I think the guy's like a million Twitter followers at this point, right? But like it 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 really exemplifies what sells on Twitter. You throw a concept out there that looks yes. elaborate and intellectual and complicated and make it but you simplify it and then somebody grasps it and they go like ooh i'm understanding this inside information that's complicated and not understood by the world but in, in actuality the model doesn't make any sense and stock to flow is just retrofit to bitcoin price and there were a lot of people not not like a lot of notable maxis by the way but like there there were people like like nick carter i remember and and Eric Wall, I remember two people in my brain who were like, "This is total bullshit. Like <laughs> this is not a real thing." But so many people went along with it because it fit their bias. It was like Bitcoin up, and I think ETH is doing a similar thing now. It's like, ooh, we're looking at these fees and we're putting a PE ratio on it, and it it doesn't exactly make sense to me, right? Because the demand for block space is sort of priced in guay right and it doesn't really care what the usd price of of, of eth is right so you're you're basically saying like ooh, eth price is eighty thousand, and we're charging this much like for for every transaction and then we're gonna oh that's that's a that's a 9x pe that's wow that's so undervalued but if the price of Ethereum fell by 50%, then it would be an 18x. And if it fell by 50%, it would be a 36x. So be, be, because you're earning in the asset itself, it, the, the, the price up and down is reflexive. And yeah. if ETH goes down, so do the so, fees. So so what what this fell, I think his name was Figo.eth. What he said to me was like, he was like, oh, it's like an exchange rate problem. It's like if you were investing in an Indian company that had their earnings in rupee. And you were like, well, my, my, I'm denominating in dollars. Those earnings in rupee don't make sense. What if the rupee goes down 90%? And my retort was like, no, it's not exactly like that. It's if the Indian company was paying out earnings in their own stock, right? which was then denominated in dollars, but it wasn't necessarily tied to the earnings. Like there's like a yeah. disconnect there yeah um so i kind of throw that out to you guys like do you, do you feel the same way about the eth pe chatter like does it feel weird to you absolutely I, I think like this is the big problem with anyone who's tried to value this asset using traditional methods is that you get you run into this like circular reference that you're describing it's where, recursive right that's yes, what it is yeah. yes and it and it, and it becomes Sort of impossible. And the other part that I've had trouble with... You've brought this up since the very beginning. The other part that I've had trouble with is when you're valuing the token um, versus the network. So, like, oh man, it like when you're 
when you're participating in the network, you're paying the fees and that's going to what? Like it's going and it's being burned by the network. But then like, you know, that benefits the token, but it's like also the network, but it's also like, you know, what part benefits the token in this way? Like I've, I've literally done backflips sitting here trying to think of like <laughs> how, like how to actually think about this. Like, like, is this a cost or is this a revenue? And you're someone who's, who's probably like looked at like a thousand 10 Ks of oh like SEC like, annual, annual filings and done this like traditional valuation. Yes. Like I, I've literally looked, I've looked at ETH from every valuation method that I've ever learned with, <clears throat> of which there are probably 70 and, um, it's so fucking hard to dial it in. I, I haven't been able to because of these simple problems that you're describing. But, but you know, to like move towards our topic, like this Van Eck um, valuation model, I think has done the best job of mm. representing sort of like a realistic approach. And, and the outcome we can all you know, we can, we can discuss, but I think the approach is reasonable. And, um, you know, granted there are these, these issues. Right. So, so they're, they're basically including transaction revenue, like gas fees. They're including they, you, theirs in the, the Van, sorry, Eck sorry, Van Eck, Van Eck analysts, which I, I went back and actually looked at some previous videos they've done. I hadn't seen a video or an interview of this current analysis. Yeah. So, um, so for people watching, we're talking about the uh, Van Eck. Did, did they do do they do ETFs or something? What are they, what are they what is their base? They they do they have they're like, like a, a they're like a Tartify company. ETF they applied for a spot ETF. They're very heavy in commodities like gold. Yes. No, so they're a TradFi company. Yeah, they're TradFi. Like company. they manage money TradFi, and they, they basically just have oh. uh, ETFs for like every industry yeah. vertical. Okay, so so yeah, so what Nick's referring to is to, like to their credit, they put out a very uh, what from what I've seen is the most I think thorough valuation model of ethereum that exists and they attempted to put like a future and a present day value on the token and a whole bunch of like discounted cash flows on it and like really break down where that comes from so we're talking about that right now because we want to try to get from the point where we're talking about eth on like this pe ratio which is not good to this like more complicated model which which i think has some merits to it but which i think still shares some of those right flaws. so uh let me get, let me put one place where i kind of agree with them so they have this um the, the the baseline price model takes a free cash flow uh multiple and they apply a 33x so uh, i was actually playing with google bard and i said hey can you give me like examples? Can you give of me a teaser? Are you a Bard guy? I'm been my Bard guy lately, dude. Yeah, you, real time a, data, baby. Stay this is tuned. Be a real great time data. Stay tuned. I'm a big Bard guy. Anyway, uh, I, I asked yeah. it. I said, "Can you, you give me like examples one. of companies that have you know an under 10x free cash flow, 10 to 15?" <laughs> and then I said, "What's over 20x?" And it gave me um, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, like all those like uh, kind of Fang type stocks. They're in the like low to mid 20s so to put eth at like a 33 is not too far of a stretch so i agree with that but then you look at like their their revenue numbers and i think this is steven where your point comes in it's it's like okay base case is 51 billion dollars in revenue in 2030 but at what 
ETH price, right? Like if ETH is at a thousand yes. or twenty thousand, the the model so, changes so, recursively. So they used a really good analogy in this report, which I was like, I read it and I was like, yes, that's the problem. They started likening ETH to Dave and Buster's tokens. Right. We're like, people really love Dave and Buster's and they want to play games and everything, and they're buying the Dave and Buster's tokens to play the game, right? And then they're like, well, ETH is kind of like the Dave and Buster's tokens. And, and yeah, that's the problem. So then you get into this question of like, what the hell is a Dave and Buster's token worth? Like the Dave and Buster's token isn't tied to some revenue multiple of Dave and Buster's. It's just like complicated supply demand model. It's like akin to the dollar. It's akin to any foreign currency. Like why does a currency have value? Like currencies don't, necessarily have value because there's like an earnings multiple or cash flows applied to them like there's this complicated like what are the what's the trade deficit what are all these other there's like all these complicated metrics underneath the hood that equate sort of supply and demand at the other day what is the demand for the euro relative to the dollar and like we want to simplify it to this oh there's these earnings and but it it doesn't exactly make sense like yes the more people who want to go to Dave and Buster's and play the video games, all else equal, the Dave and Buster's token goes up, but is it really tied right. to USD Dave and Buster's earnings? Their, their price targets are anywhere from $300 to $50,000. And so in, in, <laughs> in, in the- By in the Dave 2030, and, right? Right. This and, was the part that grinded my gears with the whole thing. Yeah, like, I mean, I kind of get I don't like, take this, I can't take any of it seriously. Probably I, accurate though. I, I get the bear case where it's like, <laughs> Fucking nobody uses it. Like it just stops getting used. So that's why it's like three hundred bucks. But of course, that's like in the po realm of possibility. Like I just, I don't know. Well, I think if you're gonna do this at all, you, 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 you sort of like it, double down on a specific the, the direction. Mo the model breaks when the Dave and Buster's tokens you get. Literally, the price of them is so volatile. It goes from three hundred mm -hmm. to fifty thousand. Like I. That's where the model breaks. And I hope when they get some interviews, maybe they'll come on and, and we'll chat about it with the two analysts who did it. Yeah. But like, this is the main question we need to ask them. It's like, how did you derive those fees and at what ETH price? And how do you factor in the volatility of the asset that is like being translated into dollars itself? So to, so to give people an idea of what they're projecting, they, they took 2030. And so by their metrics today, ETH has like two and a half billion in revenue, which I still think is sketchy because it's not dollar revenue it's eth revenue and then you value it in terms of the eth exchange rate to dollar so it's a little bit weird right but 2030 their base case is 50 billion i think in revenue yeah their bear case is two and a half billion which is today and then their bull case is like 130 billion or so 136 billion <laughs> so like a 60x from here it's a really really wide range um there's some interesting tidbits under the the hood there like for example they think 20 billion of that is mev 20 billion of the that's 50 a billion. lot it's a huge chunk and in doing that they said that mev is currently like they put it at like they did some weird this is super wonky but they put some like equation of like oh it's basically equivalent to two and a half two percent of tvl and it's going to go to 0.15 percent right so right. it's going to like margins in that are going to be compressed because they think applications and layer twos and everything, they're going to say, Hey, this is a really bad 
experience to have our users sandwiched by Jared from Subway and like <laughs> getting absolutely wrecked. So we're going to look to kind of compress that. So that 20 billion amount is like taking that into account. And it's still like a pretty high number. Um, and they had like an approximately equivalent number for like metaverse and social versus financial. They actually put metaverse and social as like a, I think like 30 or 40% higher in terms of revenue than financial. And then they had this other category um, like infrastructure. So they're like, there's going to be 50 billion in revenue in 2030. It's going to mostly be metaverse social, then financial, then MEV, then like kind of baseline. Did you um? Did you happen to see the bit about L2s and their kind of thesis on where value will accrue? Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, what they say? They said ninety something percent of all transactions okay. will be on L2s. I have it in front of me. So ninety eight percent of all transactions will occur on L2s. Ninety eight percent, but fifty percent of the dollar value will still happen on L1 because so the take rate is very high for ETH. Yes, yes, like the the value happened because some transactions need extreme security composability like maybe punks will never trade on an l2 like they'll always be on l1 and maybe the provenance of being on l1 is what gives them value and 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 back and forth but so they said that like margins for l2s range from 15 to 40 percent and that as l2 competition increases that will like reach perfect competition around 10 percent and that they believe the majority of the value will be still accrued to eth the asset, which is something we've talked about before. So it's nice to see someone take a position on it. Mm. There were some other interesting numbers in there. Like, for example, they looked at, um, they looked at, they looked at like Ave. They're like, what percentage of fees paid to Ave go to the app Ave versus ETH, right? Mm. And I would have actually thought it was like 50 50. Like, Ave fees aren't, they don't feel like they're super high. And I feel like ETH is really extractive compared to the fees on mm-hmm. Aave. But they were saying that actually Aave gets like 90 to 94% of the fees and the other 10 to 6 or 7% go to ETH. And then they said that was like actually kind of almost equilibrium. They think in the future that applications that run on ETH are going to extract 90, 97% of the fees and then the rest of it goes to ETH on the base layer for facilitating that infrastructure. So that was interesting to me. That was, we're already closer to where I thought we would be going. It's We're almost at like the end point already in that regard. So I thought that was interesting. Another thing that they said in this report that was super interesting is like, um, they basically said that, um, here's the direct quote from the report. It said, curiously, unlike most enterprises where businesses pay the overhead of rent, electricity, and the rest, users directly pay the overhead of interacting with the on-chain businesses so that on-chain businesses host and chief vendor Ethereum. So they're basically saying that like, when you go to the mall to buy something, you pay for the product. And if you go to Sephora to buy some makeup, you buy the makeup, but then they're paying for their their rent and all this stuff, right? right but like on ETH, the customer you are- The customer doesn't pay for the electricity to turn on the lights in Sephora and shit separately, then they pay for the makeup, they pay for the- Right, makeup. like ETH is this weird ecosystem where you go to the bank of Ave and you pay like all of their- Overhead. Infrastructure and overhead <laughs> yeah. costs in your transaction. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. I'd never heard anybody phrase it like that. And I was wondering if that's going to be actually a sustainable thing. No, I, I think it eventually not. Right. Right. Like it seems like in the future, the Aves of the world would 
absorb that cost and sort of obfuscate it in a way and they would be competing to have like a lower you know cost to the consumer to get the end product that they want so ej i have a question for you um hey man hey <laughs> how are you yeah, not bad yourself Splendid. yeah <laughs> wee bit tipsy as i just said in the chat um so you've been doing this analysis for as long as possible you've tried 70 different ways to do it and you feel this is the best that you've come across what do you think of the price targets and where do you land like with your critical analysis of the whole thing if you don't mind can i give you a a, a two minute uh master class in valuation i would Ooh, be please yeah so be honored jordan clip it so as i <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> as i look at this model what i see is that like when you approach evaluation there's there's two ways that you value anything and one is called relative valuation and one's absolute valuation so relative valuation is is you measure the value of something relative to something else okay so in uh tech companies you would say uh you know this thing's trading at five times sales while i'm growing at faster rates so that's six times sales yep. or in a in a home you'd say like oh this three two home is is selling at 700k well i'm a three three i should be trading higher higher than that so it's a relative valuation and then in, in the other side of that is an absolute valuation okay so what van eck is doing here is an absolute valuation absolute says like this is what this thing is worth independent of what anything else in life is worth mm -hmm. okay it's based on its own merits its own cash flows. intrinsic value says that this thing yep. should be worth x and they said that like okay this and this, it's more difficult to do by nature right it is exponentially okay. more difficult to do it's Thank way you. harder to compute thank you for saying say that. that because an absolute valuation like if you get it right hypothetically speaking an absolute valuation if you if you can calculate it correctly this it's is ultimate going, power this is going to be the exact value of the, of it's the, the asset ultimate. it's it's like having the crystal ball versus like what we talked about before that the relative value is like it's a quick and dirty method but there are so many uh plausible ways to get that wrong along the way right the quick and dirty is pretty shitty absolute is very good but it it is very hard to get correct so what van eck is attempting is inherently very hard and they're they are trying to pinpoint how like what the cash flow value of the eth network is assuming that the eth network is a mall and assuming that eth network is going to rent out their block space like a mall rents out their their yeah, square space fronts. to sephora and sharper image and macy's or whatever and ultimately it's the consumers who walk into that mall that buy the products from Macy's and Sephora or whatever, but the, the dollars flow to the mall owner as like they rent block space or, you know, square space. So when I look at, at that approach, I'm like, this is, this is directionally correct. I love it. Um, you know, Steven's, Steven's questions are valid. Like mm -hmm. how do you, how do you value it when you have this like, uh, you know reciprocal sort of uh circular problem i i don't know the answer to that yet but i think van eck is on the right track um what you found is is in the output of what they said is like hey this thing uh based on our discounted cash flows could be anywhere from zero to fifty thousand. <laughs> that's like okay well that is the problem with the absolute valuation is that sure here's what happens in an absolute valuation you have a numerator and a denominator the numerator is the cash flow the denominator is the discount rate let's keep the discount rate out of it for now 
where the where the valuation model goes right or wrong is all about the numerator. It's it's all about the cash flows. So if you project the cash flows to be X, Y, or Z, your valuation is going to basically follow that. So mm. what what Van Eck is basically saying is like, if the cash flows are not coming in strong, that's our bear case. The valuation of ETH, the asset is going to be weak. If our cash flows are going to come in very good, then that's our bull case and it's going to be 50K. So like what I would challenge anybody to do is to like use their model. I think this is actually, this is the alpha here. It's like use like their framework because it's, it's like directionally correct. Use their framework. If, if you believe in either their, their bear case or their base case or their bull case or somewhere in between any of that, use that and say like, okay, based on my assumptions of the numerator, which is the, the, basically the demand of the network, make your own projection of the demand. And then you can easily sort of like assign your own valuation to ETH based on that because that is basically the intrinsic value of ETH. It, it, like they did a good job. The only thing we can argue on is like, like what the future looks like in terms of demand. Yeah. So um, I have two follow-up questions and maybe we can answer those as we wrap up this, this portion. Um, but before we do, uh, I have a ask for the audience. If you don't mind, as you're watching in front of your phone, your laptop, hit the like button. It certainly helps uh, get the live yeah. out to... You know, friends and family, and helps oh, us like grow. Like. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll cheers you to that. And if if you don't, I'll, I'll see your uh, abstention in the analytics. So I'll see. You. <laughs> um, but uh, but my question is, first off, one: Do we think ETH right now, or in the very near future, will be valued off these traditional valuation meth methods at all? And then mm. I want to know what your guys' twenty thirty prediction is for ETH, because the reason. The Alpha Alpha podcast talks about crypto in the first place is because it's the ri highest risk return asset we think uh, presently. And if there was something else, we probably would talk about that most of the time. So I'm curious what you guys think. I got my own kind of like number in mind, but uh, I don't know. Mm. Anywhere you guys sit, first off, are we even valuating this asset off off traditional methods? Will, will it be valued off revenue in 2030 even? No. Okay. No. It's a new kind of asset. No, no to that specific question. Yeah, like we're trying to apply these old ways of thinking to a thing that's never existed before. Like if you take something like gold, why does gold have gold doesn't have cash flows, but it has value because there's some you call it like a monetary premium. And then there's some sort of demand for it in industry and then there's some sort of demand for it in terms of, oh, this is just a scarce thing that hedges me against the debasement of the dollar. And then the more people who believe in that specific meme, the greater the demand for that narrative and then the greater the price. Like, what is that formula? Nobody knows that formula. It's complicated. And, and gold, I think, is a really difficult thing to price because it is very widely held by like central banks and and large world banks and who knows what they're doing with the supply and you're you're just sort of along for the ride with that right whereas like ethereum we can be very confident that the u.s government does not hold like eight percent of the supply of ethereum or something it's just it's just not a thing so you're you're in before any of those shenanigans happen the other thing about ethereum is it, it does like I, I know people have talked about this sort of a triple point asset meme a lot mm -hmm. 
it has properties of a commodity. It has properties of a bond. It has properties of a currency. And I think it's sort of difficult to weigh all of those things together. But I think what you can understand, right, is like, look, this thing is going to zero or it's going to 30,000, 50,000, whatever you want to call it, right? It almost doesn't matter. It's a thing in your portfolio that is like an asymmetric bet. Like if I told you you could have a bet that you could lose, which is going to zero, or you can make 20, 30 times your money, you just take the bet. You're not like, well, is it 20 times the money? Is it 10 times my money? Is it 50 times my money? Is it a hundred times my money? It almost doesn't matter. Like you have to allocate something to the bet. Like if you believe in the general direction of the meme, as we all do, like we think, we all think, I think here that this is like a super interesting asset that the world doesn't yet understand, then you need to be allocated to it. You don't have to be like all in, but anytime the world offers you a bet where the downside is you lose everything. So negative one, doesn't get worse than negative one, but you get like plus 20, plus 30, plus 50, plus 100. You just take the bet, right? Can I go? Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think that's like directly correct. My my presumption with ETH specifically is like uh, that maybe, maybe it doesn't trade on like a traditional asset multiple or something like that, right? Maybe it doesn't. That's okay. Like gold exists. And I've I've always like used Bitcoin as the proxy to gold. Okay, so like I one day believe that Bitcoin will surpass the the value of gold. That's that's this is my supposition. Mm-hmm. And and gold is worth eleven trillion dollars today. And Bitcoin, uh, if it were to surpass, that would would be two hundred fifty thousand dollars per coin. Okay, I haven't done this math for ETH, but like maybe ETH, you know, plays along that same path too. Just like. Just to play devil's advocate to Steven, it's like you should be tethered to something, right? Like you you should be tethered to some value to say, like, well, if ETH goes to fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or a million or something, like at some point you'd want to know where where that is um an unreasonable valuation. Yeah. Like we would all agree on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like you know, I haven't I haven't like done the moon math necessarily yet to see like where the unreasonable valuation is what I know is that right now is a, so. It, so, in other words, the the comps to historical ways of evaluating these types of assets are necessary to a certain degree. Well, yeah, I think they're part of the meme or right? helpful. I think. Yeah, I, like, I, I also don't know if that's. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna illustrate a totally absurd case, right? Imagine I told you ETH was going to go to zero or was going to go to literally. 900 quadrillion dollars okay like at that point you wouldn't be like well i can't really invest like is it going to go to 900 quadrillion or one quadrillion like i don't know like at that point there's just a part of your portfolio that is so insignificant and the asymmetry to the upside is so great that you just you stop thinking about it right and you're not necessarily even trying to exit i can just tell you like look it's a lotto ticket it's a lotto ticket you lose 90% of the time, but when you make you, you make at least a thousand times your money back, you're just gonna play the game. You're gonna be like, okay, like I have to just play this game. I don't have to worry about what the exact upside is. I just know that it's it's so beyond the EV of my lotto ticket that I have to put it in my portfolio. And it, yeah. it, I don't I don't know if it's 
zero like 0.1% or 1% or 3%, it's probably not 10%. I think that's like an interesting question is like, where do you go assuming that's like a Omega lottery ticket? Yeah, and I want to start hearing some price prediction, boys. 2030. Well, I... You want to wrap it up with the price predictions or do you want do, you, do you, rebuttal, I want Eric sir. to finish his thought, but then rebuttal. I want to hear. Give me, give me your thoughts on my thought. Uh, I mean, your point is fair. Like if it's a lot of tickets, a lot of ticket, you allocate to a lot of ticket, but like it's a good lot of ticket. It's, it's a, a rigged lot of ticket in your favor. It's a good lot of ticket. And I, I, I would hearken back to something that you've put me on, which is like, um, you when you enter a trade and and this is different right like because we're talking about an investment on a trade but you've put me on this idea when when you're going into a trade you know what your downside is and your your upside is and like for me uh to have the upside just be x question mark and have downside be you know like not 100% but 90% like i would i would like like to know a little with a little more clarity, like what I'm expecting on the upside. And for me, how I would, how I would discern that is to tether it to, you know, either an absolute or a relative valuation that makes sense to me. An absolute one would be like how, how Van Eck does it, or a relative one would be like comparing it to another asset class, like gold or whatever. And like, I think that to me makes more sense than just being like lotto ticket, whatever. Yeah. Well, let me ask like, you, let me ask you more directly. If assuming ETH works, like, let, let's assume that whatever your concept of ETH works, it's 10 years in the future. And we're like, oh, that worked. What do you think is the minimum price? Like in a, like a bad scenario, but we're all like, yeah, ETH is a thing. It's got 70% of the smart contract demand. I, would I think, just don't even understand what that means. personally. Well, I, I think like VanX bullish expectation <laughs> discounted using a 12% discount value is probably correct. Yeah. So, I mean, and, what I digest your kind of like, uh, per, like perspective as I, I still need to sign probabilities to it. Cause you're, you're right. Yeah. It is a lottery ticket, but like when you put the price at, will ETH be at 4,500 by 2030? I'd say that's more like a 90% probability. But like when I, when you say, will it be at 50,000? I'd be like, Hmm, well, I got to lower that probability. Okay, I agree with you. But what I'm trying to say is the probability equation you're using in your investment thesis is more like it works or it doesn't not like what is the actual, well, when it works, is it worth a thousand X or a hundred X? I almost think that doesn't matter. It's sort of like, what is the min case if it works and what is the Ass probability assuming you don't have an opportunity cost that's of of similar like returns right so yeah. i'll give you i'll give you of guys course. mine so my my 2030 is in the range of like 18k to 25k is where i put like my baseline projections you so arrived at this uh, price by calculating the amount of feet to mars and <laughs> yeah, dividing exactly. by uh... no so i actually i i still like the logarithmic regression curve. The, the logarithmic regression curve is used for things that have a network-like effect. Mm -hmm. I, I like it. it. It takes into account diminishing returns as the network grows. And it's, it, is it is priced to fit off previous data. Um, Bitcoin, I think, is, is the better one. So I actually, and by the way, logarithmic regression, you can look at the rainbow, rainbow chart for Bitcoin. If you don't want to like look at the math version, it's, it's a quite elegant 
chart, I'd say. It hasn't, it's broken Did only it a few times. Did it break a little bit? Uh, broke, broke, broke a little bit, but that's essentially what we're looking at is like an asset that has a network effect that grows in, in such a function where the the returns diminish over time. And but the and rainbow chart has uh, recovered, right? Like, it, yeah, we're yeah, back yeah. We're, we're back bounce. still in very, very strong buy territory. Bitcoin yeah. rainbow. Yeah. So I like looking at the Bitcoin price and then I kind of like take my relative price on, on ETH. It's a very crude method. Like Van Eck is, like you said, absolute method. I'm, I'm looking more at a relative method, I think. And so anyway, that's what I'm looking at because I've had these tough decisions where like, I think I've told you guys, like I'm looking at, a multifamily property, a storage unit, or buying a car wash that could make anywhere from six to nine percent cash on cash, annual returns of twenty to twenty-five percent, which has high probability. I have high conviction in it, and so you know, I, I think ETH will perform well over one hundred percent annual return, closer to two hundred percent annual return. Yeah, that's and so I'm making these tough decisions now, where I'm used to just shoving cash in those. Um, but anyway, that's that's where I put my my price prediction at, and um, but over you know, how many years of volatility? Seven years. Okay, seven years. Um, seven all right, years I really want to get to the part where I've been having sex with this like uh, AI bot. Okay, so um, let's let's get there so, quick. Uh, all right, so I've we're gonna wrap up the money the episode. Shit. There, okay, you motherfuckers got to give me a number. Well, we still got to talk about. Okay, let's get a number. We got to talk about the ledger thing. And I want to get to this chat. Right, Darman is yet to master the art of the gentle segue. We literally just wants to jam the next I, segment. I'm a jammer. I'm a jammer. I was trying to driver. hand it off I'm to a pile you. Driver. Hand it off to you. My 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 brothers. Uh, <laughs> no, should I say this? No, no I should. No, no. 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 Persian yeah. pile driver. I, no, I, I it just came you out. said it. Okay. okay. Let's, so let's. Georgia, can we edit that out? What is wrong? We're live. The man is. He's a pile driver. What is he going to do? Born pile driver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you want you want I, some just, prices? Can you guys give me a fucking range? Like, I haven't yeah. had a chance to speak about the range. It, it takes We've it takes uh, twenty seven characters go. of speech. Look, look I, it, we got to go. Give a range. What what, what, what year are we talking? Twenty thirty. Twenty thirty. Seven years. Call it two cycles. Uh, I think thirty yeah. is two cycles. I think thirty is optimistic. I think it's reasonable. I'm just trying to ten x. That's my yeah. Okay. That's my ten x over seven I years like, is well over hundred like percent annual because return. I think it's an asset that if you have a bunch of cash, you can shovel a lot of it into. Not financial advice. Um, it's not going to go to zero. Probably. And you just just get a smooth 10x, and you just chill. You stake it. Also, 10 years from now, if the rate remains at like three or four percent, you'll have 40 percent more of it, maybe 50 percent more mm -hmm. of it. So that's mm -hmm. pretty cool too. You can leverage it up if you're a huge degen. Maybe Wait, if you're staking in the meantime, you're saying? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like the by by the way, the staking yield has been Juicy. more robust, I think, than people have predicted. But do any of you guys stake? Yes. yes. Okay. Good. I stake it, and right. I I use um. Not for no. all my money, but I use, I've talked about this a little bit. Gearbox has been like, it's it's a leveraged ETH staking pro protocol. This may age badly, so don't clip this. But I think the most secure of them. But still, like I, I have a small chunk in it's it. It's okay if it's, it's the most it's been, secure. I've had today. money in there for like seven months. It's it's been over twenty percent for like six months straight that's like, not so well honest. i'm glad you're just okay. sharing with us now i've literally the first time go back this. to the old tapes go on to steno <laughs> steno ai by the way look up the transcripts look up me saying the word gearbox you'll I've see never you'll, ever you'll hear something you you'll that. see something in like oh he said that in november mm, we should have listened to him 
should have listened to him. Nick's on it. If we um, if we ten x <laughs> ETH from here, from uh, here, which I think we easily can. If we do though, um, we will be performing these podcasts um, from outer space because <laughs> I have now purchased Mars and uh, you guys are on my civilization. You can purchase the Hamptons. All, right. <laughs> All right. I like that. All right, Eric, give us yours though. Like what, 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 I mean, cause obviously you're basing it off something. So just give me a range. Uh, what I, what I, I don't really have a, like a fair value range because like the future is unknown and like how, how the cash flows come in will determine how I view the asset. Um, but if, if I'm able to capture, um, a 10 X on price today, I will gladly realize $18,000. I'll realize, okay. I will realize that I'm 40 K. Okay. Modest. I like it. 40 K. Thank you, 40K. sir. For, you know, yeah. One of us has to, you guys can take that little... to the bank, uh, leverage, leverage your entire portfolio legal advice. Okay. I've thought about this amount as well. So 40, 40 K. Yeah, based on based on reading this shit and thinking through it all, and you know, applying my little all right, I changed magic my sauce. Forty k then. All right, <laughs> come on board. So to take it from the macro to the micro, a lot of people are very upset right now. The situation is pretty alarming. There's a lot of misinformation. Oh, I love this. I don't even know what you're transitioning to. Oh, ledger. You can. Oh, I forgot about that. Steven, we're recording a podcast. Um, we are hanging we out live here. in we front have an of the agenda. There is no agenda. We're, um, just, we're just having a good time. So we have Chianti for the three people that don't know because, well, there's plenty of people that might may not. Um, Ledger has released a new product, uh, a new firmware update that is essentially a subscription for ten dollars a month that allows you to uh, essentially like remove this rely like like remove this single point of failure of your seed phrase on one piece of paper and have this backed up and the controversy is that uh and it's backed up to like three different sources and we can talk about the technicalities of how that works but to really like get to the crux of it this uh exposes something that a lot of people didn't know existed or was a possibility before on the device that you already own, which is the Nano S, uh, one of their best-selling products, one of their best-selling hardware wallets. And this will be possible to add in simply by updating your firmware and opting into a subscription. They also recently raised $100 million and they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, they're a huge company and they're a startup that needs to succeed. And there's a lot of different angles on analyzing how we got here. Everything from this is a VC-backed company that needs to find a new revenue source to um, we can't trust these guys. They've already exposed like our data uh, a year or so ago, two years ago. Well, fuck, that's three years ago. Um, and so many different ways of looking at this, but there's a lot of misinformation. And what I would like to accomplish in this like little segment of conversation is just getting to the root of the best understanding that you guys have amongst like, you know, this conversation of, we have often talked about the importance of needing to uh, 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 like fully uh, self-custody, 
versus like how that's actually a problem in the first place and how most people that want to adopt and hold crypto in the first place don't have the aptitude to be able to do that and how ledger is actually attempting to create a solution that could be a great solution for a lot of people right. but for og crypto holders this is unacceptable over the line and causes and will cause if not has already caused most of them to be like i'm i'm done i'm done with right. you and i'm going to trezor or i'm going to some other hardware wallet brand that you've never heard of so i just want to get to a place where we're like clear on what our actions are because i think that's where the alfalfa is so yeah yeah i mean i think? i think like um as you mentioned they raise money and i think as the board of directors of ledger they're like how are we going to onboard the next billion people and they realize that like you know giving everyone a which, 24 which is the exact thing we've said we talked well. about and they're like well how do we do that and make it simpler for them or at least safer and a, a better ui for them and i think that like they've also realized that along the way they can create a nice little subscription business model for for, for the business so i think it plays hand in hand with like where they want to grow the market and and the, the financial needs of the, of the company i think we're kind of learning for the first time that there is a social contract between us and the hardware wallet manufacturers that maybe we just didn't know existed before I had no idea yeah that, that there is possibly a firmware update that you could provide that extracts you know whether it's encrypted or not like your your private keys and that's something that we weren't aware of before and if it's if it exists with ledger it probably exists with others no so that's the thing right it exists with all of them i i think so and by nature yeah. of the device itself requires software and we don't we don't mind that they they have that service but i think what what i worry about is in seven years when eth is eighteen thousand dollars and they own a significant portion of maybe 40, my net worth. 40, yeah, 40,000. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I misspoke. Yeah. Um, you know, if a government, a nation state, decides to say, hey, we require this type of regulation, or a bad actor, you know, exactly. implants an employee in the company and can patch in something that gives them a backdoor, you know, whether they're known or not, like all these, like, you know, kind of doomsday scenarios, which have happened when you look at like how intelligence agencies like backdoor av companies and all, all 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 sorts of like quote unquote impenetrable devices and, and companies it's certainly possible so i think that's what we worry about and i don't think we are aware that that that's possible and now we're aware of it so I, I think there's a few things you can do is like do you you know one thing that a new comparison that comes up is like well is coinbase safer now than 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 a ledger like it actually comes up in my mind now i don't i don't know if it is but the other thing you can do is just implement a multi-sig right like if one company has some probability of risk if you can you know decrease your probability of risk by implementing a multi-sig for those crypto hardliners Wait, right can like, you do a multi-sig with like doesn't that implicitly mean you are going outside ledger already you are like your yeah, ledger you is just one of the sigs yes but 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 so you it, might but, need two in order yeah. to execute a transaction, which makes it Ugh, fucked that sounds up terrible. To like, but like, assuming you're just one person who wants custody of their and you're money. a crypto hardliner, like you've existed yeah. to this point for years, you may want that. I am kind of on the take that like for the next billion people, this might be like a pretty suitable uh, like service. It, it absolutely is 
a great service for getting more people to utilize this technology. But it is terrible for the ethos of what Bitcoin and crypto is supposed to be. Right. It's terrible for that. And, and my question for you guys is, because I, I, I have not dug into the technicalities of how this actually works, is, and maybe you don't have an answer, it's okay if you don't, but it's like, if this flaw exists with Ledger, why doesn't it exist with every hardware wallet ever? Like, what's stopping our, you know, uh, stored keys from eventually from whatever hardware wallet we use being one firmware update away from a, a government forcing the hand of a manufacturer or a corporation to say, yeah, I need this information and I need you to give it to me yeah. now. And we, like, can we, like, can we, like, can we what's just the throw safest... something out there? Yeah. Like, okay. So, so the main thing is to acknowledge that all four of us sitting around at this table, none of us are actually equipped to like break down the intricacies the of what's no, happening no. here and they give you a definitive answer. No, definitely and, not. And that's kind of, I don't know if like scary is the word, but it like, I, like no, I would, is. I it would is. consider, I it would consider myself scary. to be like a very crypto native person. Like I have a, like a good amount of my net worth on chain. I'm on chain all the time. But even with me, like I, there's, we talk about crypto about like just eliminating the trusted third party, right? We we talk about this fantasy world where we just have complete self custody of all of our funds. And but if you think about it, like there are actually like all of these sort of trusted third-party intermediaries in the way of like everything that we do. And like, and, and the ledger thing is scary because it breaks it down to the hardware level, yes, right? Like, right. so the fact that they, they push this update through and they said, they said, well, you, you could opt into it, but why is it even possible with the exactly. existing hardware to push a software patch through where that hardware can port your seed phrase over it. Like, I think a lot of people were like, whoa, 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 wait so a minute. First of all, why was that even possible in the eventually, first Eventually, like, okay, one one way that like an individual could play it would be like, I'm not going to update my firmware. I okay. think that's a bad idea. How many, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. How many years are you not going to update your firmware for? You eventually need to update your firmware because your object becomes obsolete by nature. Yeah, also, the like, firmware updates provide security patches, Absolutely. Like, like there are other vulnerabilities that are issued. So you eventually have to update your firmware. And if you've updated your firmware and you're one literally software button away from opting into something that allows that to have some sort of backdoor access. Again, this is where the misinformation starts to kick in. It's not necessarily misinformation. It's just people that are doing their best right now. That is a mix of people that are highly technical to people that are uh, highly technical traders to people that are just like, I have a lot of money in crypto and I need to make sure that I actually have true self-custody because that's the promise of what I signed up for. And everyone is trying to figure out, is that actually the case? And I think that the rude awakening that is occurring right now is that for the first time, people are realizing the hardware wallet, which was supposed to be the safest way to store your keys, is not actually as safe as they thought. It feels and like that like, is alarming to in, me. In fast that playing is extremely all alarming to me. Finance, right? Like it feels like the the way we got to the modern financial system was we, we were super decentralized at a particular point in time. We all just kept our own resources 
And then people were like robbing us and we were like fighting them off with sticks and then guns and then just battling. And then we got together and we're like, wait, what if we give these to sort of third parties sanctioned by this collective entity called the government? And then we don't have to worry about this. And we're like, okay, that's good. And now I wonder if we're like going back. It's like, I did, do you guys know the comedian Jim Gaffigan? By any of course. Chance? He always he whispers has, in his He has this sketch about like, uh, like people eating candy bars. And like, we need people to have like a healthier option. They're like, We'll we'll make the kids eat this like uh this we'll, we'll put granola in a thing and we'll sell it to them and then it comes back they're like the kids aren't eating the granola he's like well we'll put little chocolate chips in it and then it comes back he's like boss the kids still aren't eating the granola they're like oh it's okay we'll just we'll just dip the the granola chocolate chips Frosting. in chocolate yeah and like and eventually he like invents like the kudos bar. Which is it's just it's just a fucking candy bar. It's the same right. thing. But they've kind of come full circle and given the people exactly what they wanted in the first place and sort of repackaged it as a different thing. But it's it's still like a candy bar. And I, I wonder if we're gonna get to the same place here where we try to go super decentralized and we're like, wait a minute, this is really fucking hard. And then ultimately we end up back where we go, okay, actually you take all our crypto yeah and, and i don't want to get too tinfoily but i, I will no, say like let's get in there you know I, i've had a chance to meet with like a former director of the nsa former commander of cyber command and like it is a practice of them they like their former employees to cycle into industry and they certainly like to pull industry people in un, under their command meaning like they like when their their employees rotate into the private sector and then back into the public sector and if you think you know the united states is very okay with that well then you got to think that like other governments are very capable of that especially to like a french company like like ledger so I, i'm just saying like uh yeah there there is a social contract it exists there are foreign governments who will certainly attempt this this is and like uh this is terrible this is terrible for crypto <laughs> but there, so, it, the fact that there is a social contract means to me, I'm sorry. Game over. Game over for most. Like, Wait, the people. whole thing is over. It's over. It's over. <laughs> no, it's no, over. no, the whole thing is over. It's over. The hmm. whole purpose was that there was no social contract. They were just supposed to be a manufacturer of a physical hardware good that stored. Wait, your who keys. is they? Ledger. Uh, Ledger. Or Wait, so you're saying or whatever. All they're all the same. All they're of crypto is over because they're of Ledger. All the same now. Yes, it's not because. <laughs> no, it's not because of Ledger. You know what? It's 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 a fundamental understanding of like how do I actually create a situation where a third party is not necessary to any degree whatsoever? Look, look at just to put the put the hat on of a hardcore Bitcoiner right now. How triggered is that person to know that there is not truly this idea of self custody that exists without a yeah, third they party? They use custody wallets and custody exchanges in order to use their of product they in the do. first place. To like, of course they do. But what is the real version of this look like? What does yeah. the version of it look like looks like that doesn't rely on anyone? Like, well. I think what we should come to terms with is that like this is like shared risk. Like let's say you use a different method and and Ledger has some kind of issue. You don't think that's going to impact your precious asset price? Like if if Ledger has an an issue and you're on a Trezor, like this is a shared risk, I think. If Ledger has what kind of issue? Like some kind of vulnerability where all of a sudden people realize their seed phrases are are not as secure as they think they are. Mm -hmm. And if that becomes public like well, this is a shared community risk. 
like whether or not you're you're losing the ledger. Like people fear most that another person gets their private keys, right? Yeah. And so if that if that happens in the future, if if there is evidence of like it happening multiple times, this is a shared risk of owners of the asset class, whether you like it or not. So anyway, I think I think we should. I like, think it's a way bigger deal than we're giving it right. Now. Maybe, and I, I think people that. should defer to like the Bankless episode where they talk to the CTO of Ledger. Sure. Like, if you want the technical version of this, I think. Yeah, if you want wait, the wait, propaganda wait, wait, why, version, wait, right. why do you think if you want a, the propaganda version of it? Go listen to that. But if you want the like what's really going on version, we just we we actually need like a like like a hardcore developer who understands like a cryptographer slash hardcore developer who understands exactly what's happening who can explain like how keys should be stored in the most authentically self-custodial type of way and how perhaps this entire time we've been lying to ourselves that we can trust a, an entity of any kind to provide a physical device because ultimately it's based in software like Yes, there is an offline component to the whole thing, but if you can send a software firmware update to that physical device, then is it truly pure and secure? It's kind of like what came up in the money channel of our Discord today. It was like multiple people were talking about uh the different ledger models and how the if I'm I think it's the the X that is the one that has the Bluetooth technology and the S is the one that doesn't and it's like being able to plug it in versus ability to use bluetooth you're providing more points of accessibility and more points of uh vulnerability and more points of failure ultimately and 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 that's scary in a world where things seem to be becoming a little bit more dystopian as time goes on there's more uh, independence happening if you're into the peter zihan thing which steven you are it's like it's not good for that narrative right like like you want it's not good for the for the um for the Bology narrative. I still believe Bology is right, by the way. About for the record. What? I think About that Bology is right. His basic thesis. What is, is his correct. basic thesis? We're printing that too Bitcoin much. is going to million dollars. No, no. Nine days from now. No, that's just like the propaganda marketing. Gotta to go, get the gotta move quick. <laughs> I think gotta move quick. I think it's basic so weird that we're not at a million yet. No, I think it's ba I, I I played a role in that episode where I just wanted to help us have a conversation. I think his basic thesis of like what is happening in the world is correct. You were you were anti-biology in that episode. What? Yeah, what you were like about? Bitcoin is not going to a million dollars. Well, he he was playing the uh, the, no, the moderator and like were. tossing up. No, some... you you did not say Bitcoin is going to a million dollars. I don't think Bitcoin is. going I to know you didn't. That's Otherwise, correct. I I would have dunked on you appropriately. Okay, hold on, we're getting off track. But the point <laughs> is, like, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Eric, I want to hear what yeah. you think about this whole thing. Like, are you worried or not worried? Is my my main thing. Yeah. What what what's your thought here? I don't know enough to be worried or not worried. What I do know is that if this is a worry, then it's fucked. And my my That's suspicion my it is it, fucked. My suspicion is that it's a nothing burger, like everything else is. So okay, I've I've like seen people that I trust, like a C like go through their thought models on what's happening and they say that this is a nothing burger so to me it's a nothing burger but like if if it is as bad as we sort of make it to be like if this is if this is really like our seed phrases are it's not a nothing fuck, burger. okay then i'll put everything it's on fuck. it's not a nothing burger the fact that there is any vulnerability whatsoever on a level that exists with any company means that that is intrinsic to the technology 
of how the seed phrase of how your keys are stored would, like, in the first place. I would counter it with like you don't know what you're talking about, and neither sure, do I. But like, neither do you. <laughs> Exactly. So and then so it's, a okay, it's a worthless conversation. It's a worthless conversation. Can I counter your not, counter? You know? Please. I, so I don't know how a ledger works. I will throw that out there. I have no idea how a ledger works. But I do know that if they are pushing a firmware update that you can download and change the way your thing functions, it does mean that the existing hardware had the capability to do something before. And That's I, all I don't I'm know saying. how I don't have to know how it works, I mean, but I let's can keep going. I can use deductive reasoning to say, like, oh, this oh, you, thing had the capability to you do that live, if you just you wanna, push the software. You wanna, you wanna live in a world with with fucking auto GPT that can go and do whatever the fuck it whoa, wants. Whoa, whoa, and you're whoa, not whoa, worried whoa, whoa, about whoa, 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 no, no, no we can this? go there. I can go there. I can absolutely <laughs> go there. You you want to live in a world with auto GPT that can do whatever the fuck it wants. It already has access to the internet. We should have never given it access to the internet in the first place. We should have never given it the ability to code in the first place. These are all things that Max Tegmark talked about. And then now here we are. It has the ability to download, upload, access all the fucking information that ever existed. And then how difficult would it be to push a firmware update if you're AI and you just simply want to up, uh, bankrupt the entire fucking human race that has already moved from the big banks to you know self-custody crypto. I mean, there's so many terrifying scenarios of things that could go wrong and i think we should be taking it extremely seriously oh, and it's not wait. just the fucking nika whiskey speaking I, i'm being I, honest here. i actually have a, i think it's i terrifying. actually have a take that i want I your i want your nika whiskey talk i want your take on my take my okay. take my take from this as like a like assume you're a ledger and you're a founder my take is to pick a fucking lane like ledger's like we are the og hardware wallet and like people keep a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin on our wallet. Also, here's a here's an update that lets you just recover your seed. And I, is, was that already was there a backdoor along? I don't know, but also, here we are. Have just, you, just pick a lane. Be like super accessible, let, or just let, be OG. They should have let Robinhood do that. They should have let MetaMask do that. That was not their game. Yeah, it's weird. Like you can't just be in both Correct. customers. You like Correct. burned your existing customer. Yeah. Oh, there there was a space where tweet. they were like. There were like there was literally a guy in a Twitter Spaces who was like, "Well, Ledger isn't for people who have more than like fifty no, k in their wallet anyway." No, exactly. And people were like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> it is like, the what? only option, right? Like, for people that have more than fifty k, what's not the, the only option? Yeah, like what <laughs> people? Like what's the safe one? Then? So there you, you go. See, and there uh, was all this stuff about how they don't know their customer. They clearly don't know their customer they if they made this move. That's the biggest thing that I took away from this is like. Wow, they are not talking to the real crypto hodler at all. Whatsoever. Also, so the the three shards get shared with Ledger, a company called CoinCover, and then a company that shall not be named. Huh? Uh, I looked up CoinCover. I was like sitting in bed last night. I was like, well, is all my is money that, gone? Is that there shall not be named LLC? No, it's just like some independent <laughs> third party. And I was like looking at the CoinCover website. And I was like, this. I'm like doom scrolling in bed. Like this does not inspire confidence. It's uh I don't know. And then like some third party like company that doesn't I don't I don't know. So you need two out of three in order to get your hold on it. And like yeah, it's well, that seems legit. Nothing to see here, folks. Just keep your net worth on a ledger and you'll you sleep fine. Yeah, like we said, always use a hardware wallet. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank God our ENS names are are covered by uh multi-sig boys. Thank God alpha alpha pod. Yeah, nothing is. can go wrong there. <laughs> can I just say how much I love our community? 
<laughs> I'm just like catching up on <laughs> these. Guys. Are you, are you just just some, some, uh, some um, messages from if, the if these guys were here in person, we'd be having a grand old yeah, time. Basil says, "I've been watching Armand wave his hand at Eric to switch the cams." LMFAO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, poor uh, Eric. That's yeah. a my bad. That's a my bad. We've been drinking since uh, uh, ten thirty a.m. Chad so. keeps observing that I have to pee very badly, which is absolutely correct. <laughs> Do you want to take a break before we get into the live episode? Can I? Can I go to? Please, Armand, can I go to the Joshua's bathroom? Joshua's Campton says work I'm so these. blazed. I actually wish I was I can't blazed, work Josh. under these conditions. That sounds I great. wish I was blazed. That sounds fun. Uh, he also mentions light. that the third wallet is FTX Wallet LLC. Wait, Don't can be we worried. Light, can we light a joint in here? Yeah, of course. That sounds oh my fucking God. wonderful. I'm going to the bathroom. I didn't hear anything. I was just... if, if anyone did not pick up on this already, Nick is the landlord. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's legal in California, so my insurance policy allows you know it. What? I haven't smoked a joint since before I had a baby. Oh, hey Basil, uh, switch the cams for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, we're gonna get. We need, we need a little. <laughs> Steven, I've peed twice at least already. I feel for you, man. Oh my god. By the way, this can so can good. the chat hear the airplanes? By the way, because like uh, we live, I don't think so. We live pretty close to like a uh, uh, flight line, max, yeah, right? Max, and max. I left, I left the moonroof open in the room, and I'm wondering if anyone can hear it. I love, I love Max. He's been on fire. You Ledger, you had one job. One job, just be a hardware wallet. You, you literally, fucking, yeah. you fucking hardware job. wallet. Just do that. You like, moron. would you prefer that we just had like pure ignorance, like this? I'm so safe in this. You know, it's of- like, you know, what's funny is like we sat here talking about it for 14 minutes, and it's like no, none of us oh, have any fucking idea. Pat, here's what the planes. Fuck. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix it. Can I fix it while we take How our little break? It? I got away. No, 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 I don't want to stop. Well, we, Stephen's already in the bathroom. No, no, that's yeah, and fine. I gotta go to the bathroom. Wait, I, I thought we're not doing the stop thing. That's absurd. No, no, we're not doing the stop thing. Absurd of you to suggest. I can't stop. Okay, well, you keep your, stop you keep the pod stop. going. No. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna fix. I'm gonna fix the planes, One, and Eric's gonna go to the bathroom, and I want to refill my drink. How do you fix the plane? Hey, you'll see. You okay. getting uh three mils no. in? That's I got just, a six mil, just... milligrams in, yeah, and uh, this is a perfect opportunity since Eric isn't flipping the camera my okay, way. So are we going <laughs> into some of the uh, uh, life topics then? Yeah. So next, we're gonna talk about Karen AI. Karen she AI. made about seventy-one grand in her first week of having a, a chat AI. So we're gonna talk about that next. Let's take a quick five-minute break. We'll be back. Refill the glasses. Get a drink. Fine. Come back. I have this like an existential sick feeling. I have this sick feeling that we got the whole thing wrong. No, you're you're being dramatic. No, no, I, no, I, you're, I, you I are being. Mean, someone has to be dramatic. So dramatic, right? Now. Everything's gonna be fine. Why though? We're if iterating. the vulnerability exists to any degree whatsoever, then the whole goddamn thing is. No, it's done. not because the beauty of crypto is that there, there's just like zero. Like the you can transfer all of your money by mem- like you just have like twenty words and you just transfer all your money gone, and it's gone. And the person who offered the inferior product now has no funds in their product. Nobody wants to buy their product. It's beautiful. It's a free market where people provide products, and there's no ability to have some sort of regulatory capture to stick people into your shitty project uh, product where they're like, well, you could move your funds, but there's this like ninety eight day waiting period and. You gotta like download this other thing, and then you gotta file that. You gotta fax in this paper to move your funds. That doesn't exist. You just you just whoop, and you're so gone. Let me understand something. These keys, these keys that are stored on this fucking hardware. What's stopping it from being like? How does? Uh, yeah, you don't. You don't. You're not technical enough to answer this. Like, how does this? 
Like, I don't what know. are the ask the question? I'll tell you if I can. What buy. are the alternatives? Like, where else? How else? That is still offline. Is there any way to store keys offline without interaction to any degree, like with software? Look, the, the, that's a very. I'm sorry. I'm just. I think that's what I would ask, like a, like like some an expert right now. That would be the exact question. It'd be like, just start the conversation there. Like, how how does that work? Like, is there any way? There are ways to do social recovery like we've talked about account that, abstraction that, that's true familiar that's, with account abstraction yes, like but that's the, a different realm that's the, that's the, not the same thing the problem it? with ledger isn't that they're using a way of private key recovery that people didn't opt into the problem is they're just porting it on top of an existing sort of infrastructure that people thought was hard and set fat it couldn't be modified and they're like well actually it turns out that we can we can just we can just push a software update through and this thing that you thought was this like fortress of solitude that you could just hide behind well actually we could just we had these repairmen that just go in and change your doorbell and that's then we I'm just ring fucking, your doorbell and then your whole I'm, your house, house is that's gone literally that's uh, all that, that maybe a weird dude. that's uh, what i'm saying analogy but no but like that's what i'm saying the problem isn't that these things exist. The problem is that like people opt into a company, they opt into a piece of hardware thinking that they're they're going into the sort of they're they're on the bunker squad. They're the they're the team okay. that like built a bunker the in their backyard. What's the and, argument like, for Coinbase here? Well, the argument for Coinbase centralized is exchange in general versus hardware wallet. Like you ultimately are still like it's you're you're the, the, the problem the with problem isn't it worse no 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 the problem with ledger. a centralized exchange that is way more in bed with the government versus like a company like ledger or okay. Trezor. if ledger did this and they shipped a completely new hardware device and they said your old hardware device can't opt into this because of the hardware we're like we could there obviously there's no way we could just push them firmware update that lets your hardware do this, mm -hmm. but where here's a new device. People would be like, "Oh, that's cool. I can buy the. Uh, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing device, and I need my handheld, or I can have my device that's like this brick wall." And instead, they were like, "Oh, hey, you know that device you've been using for like seven years? Uh, here's the software update. Well, you don't have to opt into it, but if you just click this." green check mark box then we just get your seed for it people yeah. were like whoa whoa wait 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 that yeah. was that was possible that's kind of weird that's where they went wrong like they had to like pick a lane all right you got to give eric i think your mic. what i was saying gotta give eric your mic do you want your mic back i'm here? gonna go do what you guys did well steven's not gonna be fine take a biological break wait you've you had guys... to do this the whole time oh, i've been here i've been with the people Okay. I, oh, I'm not here by choice. Armand told me to sit here. Yeah. But if you need a break, Eric, and I'm happy to do what some I would video like angle changing. Is I'd like you to start the conversation about Karen. And when I re-enter the room, I want it to be at like peak sexuality. Is that because you're that's blazed? Like, that's like where I thrive. And I, I would like it to be there when I re-enter. Let the, the room. record show that Armand thrives at peak sexuality. <laughs> wow. So on that note, we're trying to do this thing now where we don't uh, we don't have a break between the uh, segments. First of all, I, I guess a, eventually we're going to go into just we're just doing one thing. 
that's fine, but like to not do a break is sort of absurd broadly. Like it's four hours. I agree as well. Like there were there were individuals in the chat who were commenting about how badly I had to pee. And that made me realize that I did indeed have to pee. Have to pee. <laughs> yeah, we we all know. Like we you have taken breaks when we're doing one hour podcast. So, yeah. so I feel like my bladder is usually pretty good, but then it just it's a capacity point, man. It's it's. it's they gave it's me a. Up. You gave me a six milligram Zin pouch. Yeah, like I'm. Uh, I want the chat to follow. I'm already hiccuping. I want to see if if uh, Eric has to spit into his cup here. I'm hiccuping. Does anyone get hiccups as a? That's from the alcohol. No, that's from the Zin pouch. Hmm. I'm taking a break. Yeah. Wait. I I, I forgot. What, what are we talking about for the life segment? We're gonna talk about, about Karen AI. Oh, we get a lot. We get Bard. We get. Oh, oh! You got to grind my gear segment, don't you? Oh wow, there's a bunch of stuff in here. I'm glad we have these notes actually, because I have zero short-term or mid-term. I think the the whole chat might be surprised to hear that. uh, Yeah, the whole town. We have notes. (laughs) I I don't think they'd be surprised at all. The whole town knows you have no memory. Let's let's uh, I don't know. Fuck, I can't stop hiccuping. (laughs) That bad, huh? How do you know it's Zen? Because when I put it in, I start hiccuping. <laughs> oh man, I think. Um, thanks, Bandit, for the comment. We were we were uh, gonna be pretty insecure if we put up these little pads and no one commented. No, on I it. need I need some positive reinforcement from Bandit right now. What do he say? He just said, "Nice setting, nice panels." No, oh. no, not no. Just no. Nice but setting. he's talking about the panels. I know he is. I know Bandit. I know Bandit <laughs> like the back of my hand. All right. Well, let's transition into the next segment. We're going to do a hard left turn from talking about the intricacies of ETH tokenomics. We were just at a baseball game, and you, Eric, informed me that the MLB was considering getting rid of umpires and just having a computer call balls and strikes to absolute digital perfection and I wasn't sure how I felt about this, actually. And you seem to have some opinions. So I, I want to kick that over to you. How do you feel about having baseball governed by a computer? And what are the broader implications for society? So I know we have some baseball fans in our audience. D. Koch. It's, it's peak sexuality. No, no. Yeah, we you. went the opposite direction. Ah, Deal you. with it. So D. Koch, I know, is a Detroit Tigers fan. I know we have some other baseball fans in our audience. Like, what, what... I know for a fact is that baseball is changing their rules to suit fans, right? So they've already done a couple of rule changes. One is implementing a pitch clock, which you guys were the beneficiaries of today. Like the game went faster today, that game right? It was long and it would have been longer. By the way, I, I, okay. en- I enjoyed the pitch clock. It, it, it was noticeably faster. Yeah, like the game went fast. Like you, we all uh, recognized, I was like, oh shit, we're in the third or fourth inning. As we said it, we're like, this game is going by fast. That's that's a positive change. I would I would assume you guys all agree. Okay, so the next change that they're looking at implementing is the robo umpire, which I which I believe to be like a immense positive. This this is going to be um, revolutionary in that like we we all sort of like the human element of gamesmanship, and that exists between the players, the pitcher and the hitter. We don't want the the human element to come in with like a third party. Like 
let's just play the game as it's intended. A strike is a strike and a ball is a ball. Let's let the players play. Wait, can I ask you a more difficult example? How would you feel if the NBA playoffs and all of the fouls were governed by a computer? I mean, the like many of them are because there are there is the ability to challenge calls now. Some of them, yes, but and like within two minutes, they can like they can uh, go to the to the instant replay to see if a ball was out of bounds off of one team or another. So like they're already implementing that, and I think that improves the game. Um, that improves like the 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 product itself. Um, whether that improves like your watchability is open to interpretation because like maybe you you don't like that they took an extra forty five seconds to look look at the call. Baseball's great. It is America's pastime. It is a sport that I hope never um, loses its uh, sort of like uh, connection to the American culture. I think it's a beautiful thing. And yet, at the same time, compared to other sports, like pickleball, uh, sport, air quotes, has way more attention. I couldn't believe it this weekend. I'm not even going to troll. I couldn't believe it this weekend. Pickleball was on ESPN. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. It was ESPN 1 or 2. And it was like a whole match. And it was probably you people that you know very well. I mean, I... Um, I can believe that. Like, I if you were like, not believe that. Fan, I'd be like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, that's no, ridiculous. You're like the guy who was like, crazy. in 1971, you were like, there was a boxing match on the yeah, yeah. television. I, can I'm, you believe I'm that? On, I'm on your, I'm on, I'm on Steven's tip on this where it's when like, did you? so I don't care about pickleball. Like, this is a sports network, and mostly what they show is talking. Like, let's show some sports. Like, oh, from that regard, like, yeah, that like there was something live show and they could have it. But dude, yeah. there's some really exciting sports out there at a college level, at a high school level. But not happening at like 1 p.m. on a Thursday. No, there's always stuff happening. No, the Ocho. Chose to on show, the Ocho. They chose to show <laughs> pickleball on premier Pico level. Like I'll give pickleball ESPN. some credit because pickleball, um, you know, particularly the singles is an athletic feat. Singles is athletic. Okay, how do I long pickleball? Singles how do I make pickle, money off pickleball? Pickle is extremely hard. Max wants that to know. Part, I want to know. How buy, do I make money off pickleball? Buy any sort of like e-com company, domain names related. I, I feel like the best passive play is like domain names. So our, our mutual friend, Justin, tried to bid 1.2 million on pickleball.com. Lost. Lost. Honestly, Lost I mean, what about dot ETH? Uh, if, if Justin got pickleball.com for 1.2 million, I would have said that's like the biggest joke of a steal of all right. time. Like yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah, I would too. Like, you you get like what is what basically I, I going think to a be better like a multi billion dollar industry domain name for a million. How about like passive play is like turning worthless commercial real estate that we're all finding to be worthless into uh, maybe would it, like would it hurt you if I said like tennis play. courts? Would it hurt you? No, I, I'm. Are only... you saying to take like an eleventh floor empty yes. unit? And, yes. Yeah, I think that. I'm, I'm saying like this. This fits in with the, the We need to paradigm. turn yeah. unproductive real estate into productive. So like whether that like it's not coming back because like if if people aren't going back to the office, we need it's to turn that be back 70% into percent max so, of what it was. Like you turn that in, either into housing, which is is difficult because I've talked to like commercial real estate guys who say like, okay, so we'll convert this, but it's like it's fucking hard. And it's expensive, and like maybe the economics don't exist. But if all you need to do is just like lay down a flat floor, and like put some nets up that are 
fucking free essentially like that makes sense to me and yeah. i think you turn unproductive real estate into productive and that's a great idea yeah i think it's a great idea yeah like and, right. and you can never do this with tennis right like no. you couldn't just be like well, oh we're gonna put a no, tennis court in the middle of bed bath no, and beyond because with tennis you can you can well with pickle you can hit lob shots you, too yeah you need it too but like but, there's an element of the pickleball people who are like oh yeah you just throw some lines on the floor and a roll on it and we're good to go i think with tennis yeah. like the demand is not there necessarily like like pickleball has yeah, all like the, the, the demand tennis people aren't right. like itching to go into a abandoned bed bath and beyond and play a game i mean I, pickleball, I, I, to, I told you guys i told you guys right like when i went to the place that steven and i play and i got smoked by two 65 year old women like they smoked me okay so this like i don't want to go down this other path of like talking <laughs> and they about, laughed at me remember they the, laughed. you remember the conversation that was the part that hurt the most they're like uh, remember the conversation about the, the guy who said nope, like nope, i want boy. my sports to uh include a physical element like and the, he got so much backlash you yeah know, he he yeah. said it in a, in a harsher way he was yeah. like he said like i don't want i mean my the guy sport. was right but, but I, I i i agree with him like i i prefer, first of all those are big words for a man who can't even win a sprint Whoa! Hey now, can't win a sprint. Who didn't participate? Forty uh, miles an hour. Who provided the entertainment? You don't sir? want to sprint against me. I have a bad foot. I'm basically. I could get a. a hand Can we comment on your play, shoes? The, the chat is very obsessed with your the shoes. Sounds like, like an easy win to me. Orthopedic Hoka one ones, but you can go fuck yourself. I yeah. mean, so I've seen I've seen elderly caddies wear hokas. I've seen. <laughs> Uh, big walkers, well, hokas. I've never seen a podcaster wear hokas. Look, I don't even know what a hoka is. I totally it's agree not with in you, my realm of this is my point. Like, if Armand loses a sprint to a man who wears orthopedic shoes, like, this is a no win <laughs> situation for him. Well, first of all, Armand so went out and lose a sprint would, to a hoka. Shoe. I lost I would, to a five time stage champion. This. Yeah, come on now. And sure. honestly, I lost of course hard. Did. That was very humble. Anyway, Shout out to you, Neve yeah. again. Before was... we get into the main topic for today, I have a gripe that I want to bring up to people. And it, it came to me again. Like we, we were at the baseball stadium and I ordered a hot dog, Mexican hot, hot dog. Hot dog. I was like, would you like your hot dog wrapped in bacon? I was like, of course I would. What kind of person am I? Like, would you like your hot dog covered in cilantro and onion and salsa? And mayonnaise, I was like, yes, yes, all yeah. of the above. Oh, you, don't have, above. you don't have the genetic mutation uh, against cilantro? No, I don't have that. Okay. I don't have that. Thank, okay. Thank God. I know some people that would like vomit if I they do, just hear the words. I do as well. Poor they bastards. remain nameless, yeah. but they it's know who they stuff. are if they're listening to this podcast. Anyway, this guy, he, he rings me up. $19 for this hot dog after tax. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It was a $19 hot dog? $19 hot dog. No, really? Turns around grabs the pre-made hot dog off the rack in a box, hands it to me, and is like, there you go. If you'd like to, there's a little option to add a little extra there. And just like, oh my God, like add 20% tip. Steven, how much you tip him? I tipped him. I tipped him 20% because I succumbed. To, he was like looking at me like <laughs> it's peer wait, pressure. Wait, wait, is this a segue? Yes. Yes. The fact that you don't know it's a segue it means it was an unbelievable segue. I got it. Okay, that's how but it feels, by the way. I was just like, God, <laughs> like this guy turned around, grabbed a pre-made hot dog off the rack, handed it yeah. to me, looked at me like, was like, would you like to, you know, just if you if you if you're comfortable with it, whatever, don't worry about it. And it's just like, so he eyeball pressured. You. Yeah, and it just like the, the amount is like twenty or like add custom like what am i gonna do click the button and then just like type in the cut 
Yeah. You're just like, God damn it. And you just walk away. But I, w- I was thinking, my, like, there was a time where I would go to a, like, a, a three-hour dinner. And the, the waiter comes up. He talks to you. He gets to know you. He makes recommendations. Things happen. He brings food. He's like, oh, preemptively, like, that food's not right. He goes back, makes it right. Like, uh, and you give him 20%. 20%. That's a good tip. And this man turned around and handed me, a like, a Mexican hot dog that was pre-made. He made none of it himself. He didn't like, and like, I'm expected to be 20. And this has happened throughout my life. I get a coffee. They turn around, they fill up a pre-made drip coffee, hand it to me. They turn a little swivel thing around. Yeah. This is the problem, by the way, the swivel iPad. Would you like to tip third? I I have so many grinds my gears things here. The the worst thing for me is like when they're like, the base one is like 25. They're like, 25 or custom i just go like no you get zero fuck you <laughs> take, you think i'm gonna like take the time to, so are you the custom amount are you the zero guy because i i don't have the if you set your sometimes. baseline amount at like 25 and custom thinking like i'm gonna be like oh that oh, one i don't want to take the time to enter the custom i just go zero but when yeah. they go like 15 20 25 i go ah, I, I i think those uh casual 20. encounters uh like i think there's a there's a pretty good rule to use which is like if you use them often if it's the coffee shop you go to like a few times a week if it's the place that you frequent like yeah tip your barista tip your like person that's part of your like agree more life. with you and i don't like cash but in this situation i'm a huge cash fan so i never carry cash but i try to remind myself so first of all i buy i get i buy I get $2 bills from Chase. What? Yes. Why? Because they're fun to give to people. They're very fun. <laughs> this to is give Persian. This. this is a Persian thing. This, I don't know if it's Persian. This uh, is so old man Armand. Like, he's going to like, hand $2 bills I to like love children. I giving $2 bills to people. <laughs> it's Persian. It makes their day. It's Persian. It's cash in their hand, and they love it. And uh, and then they get to pay it forward. So it's like they get to make someone else's day. There's something about the $2 bill that is like, make someone's day yeah so what i like to do is keep twos on me and give cash to the baristas and the donut person and the whatever you know kind of like person that's doing the no especially like car wash like car wash is like oh thanks for you know stroking my wheels you know real quick for five seconds it's like here's here's a couple twos i think is much better than just like um pushing a a a, a 18 percent button on on a pad so whenever possible i try to carry cash i'm actually in the market for a money clip <laughs> yeah i'm in the market I'm, re- I'm researching i'm reviewing i'm seeing which one i like yeah, God, they're all get, the same dude uh, do you guys no, remember no, that no, louis ck skit where he like is like a cowboy walking in the bar oh yeah God. and he goes up to the bartender he's like i need food for my horse a room <laughs> a beer a woman Love it and he already. just takes a coin and goes and just flip some like <laughs> ambiguous amount of coin his way <laughs> as if like that would cover it all and it's like i wish we could go back to those days where you just flip some ambiguous amount of like cash his way like that should cover it and you get all those things it'd be so nice it was better he's like oh, i need food for my horse a beer for myself a drink for my woman a room for three nights <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> no but it really was that uh, really all right can we talk that. about who's making some real coin now 
Yeah. Wait, who's man. making some real coins? This was girl is making segue? some real coins. This, I didn't, this I didn't girl. get an interview on the record with tipping, but that's fine. That's so, fine. We'll have yeah, it. We'll we have really it. skipped right over we'll that. We'll just, I don't approve of this segue. Let the, let the record show. Yeah, but the, I, gonna, well, I got God. more to say about the tipping. I, I feel like Eric didn't even get to rant you wanna, about Come on, let it rip. Well, I didn't either. Let's, is there I'm is there a principle? The segway rescinded. More segway rescinded. <laughs> block, block, veto. That's what happens when you make a bad veto segue. Veto segue. <laughs> right, I'll, sorry, veto, I'll veto that immediately. Okay, so here's the thing: twenty percent tip is industry standard, but for what? Okay, for what? That's like for effort put forth. Like that's for like like you said, like a night's worth of like you treating me to service. What if the service is you give me an overpriced hot dog from the back? <laughs> like that's not twenty percent worthy. That's like a, that's like, that's a nothing worthy. You go frankly. no tip. You go no tip in that. Scenario. That's a no tip. I think like uh, somebody pours like somebody cracks a Bud Light bottle to me. They reached into the refrigerator, cracked a Bud Light, and give it across the table. That to me. Is worth a dollar max, regardless of the price. No, of no, no. bartenders light. always get twenty percent minimum. No, no, false, always false location. It's like a dollar per I, drink. Wait, wait, no, that's wait, 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 super controversial. I'm, wait, what? No, I'm curious. That's super controversial. You tip the same on a bartender twisting a Bud Light cap off. Do you over, know, like, do over you know what the over, you know what the dollar per hour like on that? Are you is? kidding me? I intentionally over tip the bartenders. Yeah, wait, they make the most money. You tip the same. On a bartender handing you a Bud Light versus making you an old fashioned. Yeah, because I might be back. And, like, you know, that's ridiculous. I'm building rapport. That's ridiculous. Here's the thing. Here's where I'm with with Nick. Over tipping, but tipping the same amount just is, it doesn't make it just logically inconsistent. Bingo. Here's here's where I'm with Nick. With tipping in general, if you're if you're generally in a place where you have the opportunity to, and I'm not just saying this to say it, I honestly mean this. If you're in a place where you have the opportunity to tip somebody who most of their income obviously comes from tips, there's a difference, right? There's certain establishments that you might enter where the 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 little uh, pad is being turned to you, and you know that it's just it's like like you could be at like a florist shop these days. And they'll turn the pad to you and you just bought some flowers and it'll it'll ask you, like, do you want a tip? I think that's entirely different. But if you're in a place where you know that the majority of this person's income is from tips and that they're earning close to minimum wage, if not minimum wage, I like to tip a lot. And I think you're all saying the same thing. I'm yeah, not totally, saying you're not totally, saying that. Totally agree with that. I completely totally am in a place where I'm like... This is my opportunity to give back. I think this is exciting. It's a good opportunity. And then they remember you. They give you great service. And all those things are true. However, at the same time, I could not agree more that it doesn't make sense to give the guy at Cowboy Star 20% who deserves it, 25%, versus the the person who just did nothing more than open the Bud Light. But also the the average order value. Actual, like, the average order value. But, like, it, it... I get it. The 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 AOV is higher. I, I get it. And there's something. So doesn't that work that. out? Like, doesn't it actually kind of like? I don't make think sense? so because it's like doesn't always. You could be get you can be overcharged for the hot dog, and then that AOV is true, stupidly so, high, and then true. you Pat, shouldn't be tipping high on that AOV. Pat brings up a good true. point. Like the people who are really benefiting from this are the employers because like 
at the end of the day, you sit down with your employer, like, well, yes, I paid you this much, but you also earned this much yes. in tips. So here's your effective salary. Like and, and, they and actually benefit from this. Like, how does do do all the digital tips go into a pool and get shared by all the people that were working that day? Proof of tips. Yeah. I mean, Dude, like, no, it's di- would, it's different for like every it's different works. for every uh business and every job. So like like I've worked service. So like what happens at the bar typically is the bar team gets tipped out on bar tips yeah. and then the restaurant team gets tipped out on restaurant tips and the bar guys get paid way more at the end of the night than the restaurant team right despite having done w- way less work typically yeah and not having to smile and kiss ass as much right like not having to do much service like right you know you pop a bottle here but is that correct like it all gets pulled together the digital and the physical and then it yeah. just gets spread out you know loves it the best okay and i have a payment processing company is the payment processing company so like the, you just oh, get a little more a payment rev processing company that like just takes a little can we rip hear off about this payment processing company from time mm-hmm. to time no okay. can i can i give it like a <laughs> you did just I mean, tell maybe, us maybe at some point can i give you like a, just tell us a take that i that i agree with okay so danny meyer he's like a restaurateur he wrote he wrote a, an awesome book i can't remember the name. it's called setting the table this book i loved okay there's there's alpha in this book we don't even have to get into it right now but like he as a restaurateur of like several michelin star restaurants he says he's like i don't want my patrons to be in control of my employees wages mm-hmm. he's like i want to be in control of those so he so what is it he so on the menu the on the himself. menu he says don't, don't tip, tip. i pay my employees Where is that, a living say? wage uh, these they're mostly in new york but it's like Gramercy Tavern. It's so like, rare. It's it's very rare. So but he's rare he's like breaking America. the mold on that one. But uh, he's breaking the mold in, in a lot of ways in in which like restaurants exist, and that's yeah. why he's like so good at what he does. The thing about being in New York in general, being in the U.S., is like when the Europeans show up, the oh. American wait staff can't stand yeah, it. Yeah, so like because uh, it's like these people don't tip. So in Austin, not, they're not Austin, Texas holds a Formula One race every Perfect year. Perfect example. And Formula One is very much a European sport. Mm-hmm. So you're flooded with like 100,000 plus Europeans. And they just, you would think they would love it. The city's busy, packed, bars, restaurants packed. They hate nope, it. Nope, they hate because it. Because the the paisans working don't. longer. They don't tip. They don't tip. Yep. The best they're getting is 10%. I will say as a consumer traveling to Japan, it was nice to know that just like, you don't tip it's, and it's just it's, it's like a more like clear sound experience to just know like this is the price like, but if i was it, at that new york sense. restaurant there would just be this like anxiousness feeling that like he says yes. don't tip but like yeah you probably should so i asked for sex like 30 minutes ago <laughs> i still haven't gotten there so there's this chick okay can we just please segue accepted Sustained. Can we talk about yeah, Karen? Sustained. Sustained. Can we talk about Karen? Karen's my girl. So God, Karen I was, I was getting is into a that, Snapchat okay. influencer. <laughs> and she uh she's not an OnlyFans girl, she's a Snapchat influencer. And what she did was ingenious. She got it, the help she needed. Is ingenious a real word? Have you changed the channel at all since you did you just the... ask me if ingenious is a real yeah, look, word? Right there. Well, I know that's just because it's just so happens to be. <laughs> Eric let, is judging your Chad. Chad if, you could, if you could let stay. Eric know that I have been switching the camera oh, yeah. angles, thank you. Yes. Chad, let us know. Let the record state. Stephen questioned in genius. Let us know. Um, is, that, is that a word like irregardless? <laughs> no, it's a real word. Um, what's the difference between genius and ingenious? Clever. Ingenious is more like clever. So genius, genius is its but own. even more so. No. 
not not the same different it's like ingenuity uh, and genius exactly thank you nick let's move on okay so <laughs> nicely done um she decide she she either she has a great team or she on her own i would love to have her on karen wonderful beautiful human being love to have you on um she decided to create a chatbot of herself and all of her content loaded up to it appears to just be a, uh, a sort of like gpt4 rendition of her so like si similar to like if you were to um go and interact with like um if if, if you guys have seen like the huberman bots mm -hmm. or any of these or steno is coming out with our own chat bot where you can interact with like these various specific podcasts or, or yeah podcasters. or specific episodes and come talk to the alfalfa podcast like you're going to be able to do that soon and in the same way you can do that with karen and karen is someone who has uploaded her content and herself to the point where her fans can go and interact with her and not only was it successful but it was successful to the point where she took her entire following and let them know that this was available and actually is at the point where right now on this episode right now live i just went to her website and i opted in and she's got some good marketers behind her because you know what nick you know what it says i think i talked to you about this maybe i didn't it says 96 hour wait time to get approval to the telegram group hours. so she's got some funnel workers behind her and if you don't know what a funnel is a funnel is essentially this idea of like taking people cold that have never heard of you and funneling them into the point where they become raving fans and there's a step by step by step process where you engage them and you warm them up and you build trust with them and the fact that it says like there's a waiting period for her telegram group is obviously a complete farce right it is made up there's no waiting period it's just to create a sense of scarcity for her and what she has to offer because what is she offering nothing she's offering an ai version of herself mm -hmm. and she clocked in seventy one thousand dollars in one week and in the i believe it was it might have been the wall street journal might have been the new yorker said that she thinks that she can pull in five million dollars per month right um within a few months it's so, fascinating man like what like is if, happening so if let's say you're an incel type of her following you follow her you're enamored by her and you dm her she says she gets anywhere from like hundreds of direct messages to tens of thousands of direct messages depending on what she posts not you know like 99 of those people are not getting a response so for a dollar a minute are you They're getting a response are you you not only getting a response you're getting a one-on-one -on -one message and so is this, karen ai that different from real karen well it was trained with two thousand hours of her youtube videos so it, it is trained on a pretty good set it uses G, uh, gpt4 so it's it's a it's a interface that we're used to my question is like most of these guys probably just want to like text dirty things to her and have her text dirty things back right For sure so is gpt4's like limits reached when a talk talking about certain topics have you done any uh, deep think... research on this Arma? no i have not done deep research on this but i don't think that gpt4's limits are uh 
sort of like a part of the equation when it comes to caring. When just using the API. Correct. Yeah, like because I'm going like, to introduce my own I'm training data. I'm giving you the content mm. ultimately. So I, I'm completely just pulling this out of my ass. But if your question is like, if I were to ask Karen, like, do you like butt sex? And she were to say, <laughs> she's her like, worst. So what would chat? What, what, what would, what would chat? I'm say? a large language model. I Chat cannot comment on butt sex. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but what would Karen say? What would Karen say? Karen would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> yeah. Karen would yeah, say exactly what it would say. Well, it depends on the size of your penis. Control himself. No, seriously. What would Karen say? Karen would say it depends on the size of your penis. So did she say that? Back? And then and then the guy would say, Well, like, you know, I mean, here's my dick. You know, here's my here's my dick pic. And have a conversation. But like they can have and that. Pay for it. And it would be exhilarating. But the price so exhilarating. She's, so she's charging a dollar a minute. Which Correct. to me sounds exorbitant. Like it sounds like old school. How much? How much sex does phone. Uh, cam? How much does the cam stuff cost? I don't know. Like I think the way the cam oh, stuff works know, is pal. like you buy tokens <laughs> and then you use those tokens. Great business model, by the way. Um, but Isn't like that Andrew Tate's business model. Ah, uh, let's not. Let's What's not. wrong with him? Everything. Okay. Everything. Fine. I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, but like I, I think that it's kind of like those old pay per call like pay by the minute type things and hundred numbers that, that, that business model will nine hundreds yeah that business model is so far away from perfect competition it will they're really good the margins will go down for yeah. sure right like no <laughs> and so i don't know I just, I just find it fascinating that she, she's the first and maybe she just think about it like that's a perfect little comp there like the fact that the 900 numbers were ever a thing to begin with um, and the fact that they made so much money for so many years, why wouldn't this? Okay, obviously no. it would, and it's going to be a huge industry. I to have me, a I, I, please go. But Karen AI to me is nothing more than the beachhead from a business perspective to what the new world of sex looks like. We are just beginning to see what is possible. And we are going to be blown away by the Karen AIs that do things like just talk to you, show you images. Like, okay, here's another example. Like, Karen AI soon will have the ability to auto-generate an image for you to your liking. I mean, if we can get graphic, I think we can. Except, YouTube, except the fingers right? and the feet. They won't, they won't come out good. Okay. So if you say to Karen, like, <laughs> if you're into that. you know, like, show me what it would look like for this or that to happen. And she can generate it. Why wouldn't you pay for that? It's her and it's you. You can upload a photo and say, generate an image of what it looks. Generate a video. Generate a video of us having sex. Generate a video of us. Okay, now let's go a little bit more forward even to the point where. Go on. I integrate my VR headset into the whole equation. And now I'm having sex with this fantasy girl that mm. I've known since high school and I've always wanted to have sex with and I get to tell her to say what I want her to say I've wanted her to say this my whole life do what I wanted her to do my whole life give whatever I've ever wanted her to give to me my whole life I would pay 
incredible amount of money, <laughs> like incredible amounts of money to do these things. And do you know how many people are out there are willing to do these things? And do you know how big of an industry this is going to be? It's going to blow people away. It's, it's, so it's going to blow people what, away. What I, what I found fascinating about it, because like we certainly maybe have like uh, take a spike into what it looks like to use AI to maybe create uh, non-human OnlyFans accounts. It's actually uh, more difficult than you think. But I thought that was the immediate path. This is the path that you're pointing about. Is like maybe people want that. They want the perfect type of girl that they've been imagining in their life. They follow them. They they pay for images and videos of this specific woman, whether she or man, whether they exist or not. But like what surprised me is that she's not providing that. She's just providing companionship. Like companionship. Yeah. Yeah. And she has a proof of concept that fucking works. Yes. And she didn't have to go that far. She didn't have to go to that extent. And uh, I think it's important to note that like in this same week, the Surgeon General of the United States uh, put up loneliness as like a serious disease right. and, and said that it is as dangerous as smoking. That being as lonely harms your longevity as much as smoking does. And so uh, Karen and I put up a post. This is on May 11th. And she says, Karen herself references, Karen AI is the first step in the right direction to cure loneliness. Men are told wow. to suppress their emotions, hide their masculinity, and to not talk about issues they are having. I've got to fix this with Karen AI. I've worked uh, with the world's leading psychologist to seamlessly, and she goes on to talk about like how oh, she's already. necessarily like uh, doing this. And she talks about CPT and DPT with chats. I don't understand that. But she says this will help undo DPT. trauma, rebuild physical and emotional confidence, and rebuild what has been taken away by the pandemic. So she's not necessarily providing like a triple X like need. She's actually going after just straight up loneliness, <clears throat> which might even be just as big as a market as what we assume to be like, you know, the, the immediate market of this thing. Eric, I was curious what you were going to say earlier. I think like my thoughts are along the same lines. So like we can get porn whenever we want to. Right. Like porn exists. So I think like the need for um, curated porn, I mean, that that also exists, but it's like less of a need. But I think you need uh, the companionship, right? So, you know, this could be this new model but I don't think that people um, are going to find themselves fulfilled by that type of companionship. Like all I'm looking at is her dollar figure, right? Her, right. Like, her revenue right now, she's extrapolating that into some future revenue. She said 5 million, what in this fortune magazine thing, she extrapolated her current revenue into some future. And I'm saying like, it was hyperbole and it was a great headline. Yeah. And I, my, my take is that like, I think the majority of, of her revenue now are people that are actually like more like us who are like just experimenting for the uh, the dabbling sake than it is the novelty. Like, yeah, for the novelty factor than it is like people that are actually like seeking companionship. Like maybe that is a smaller percentage of, mm. of her revenue. I think there's a huge number of people that actually are looking for what she has to offer but they aren't actually looking for her. They're just looking for it. Or someone? Correct. It or someone. Anyone. That's anyone. what I mean. 
And so they, what's they, coming Caesar. is, first of all, you'll have many variations of her. You'll have every OnlyFans <laughs> and Snapchat girl doing the same thing. On top of that, you already have companies that are attempting to do this. I don't know if you guys know, but there are like multiple companies whose entire like $100 million raise so far is just to do this. And I think there's like two or three of them. I don't know them by name. Sorry, to solve the loneliness issue? Is yes. that? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And to provide companionship and sex and sexting, mm -hmm. I should say, and like whatever that evolves into, which is like video and image and whatever. Ultimately, what we are obviously creating is like the her world. The movie yeah. her is phenomenal. And I've said this for as long as this podcast has existed. I think it's the best, most accurate version of the future world that exists, but it's only like a very small subset of the world that exists because he falls in love with an operating system as if that's the only thing that he can do. But there's so much more that this person, we, will be able to do in the future beyond just falling in love with your operating system. The reason they picked the operating system in the movie is because it was the most meta example of what you could fall in love with. It wasn't an AI. It wasn't like an individual program. It wasn't like an individual website. It was the thing that you operate with that's in your ears, that's on your computer. It's physical. It's it's oral, it's all the things at all times. It goes with you wherever you go. So it made sense. But like, I think what we're going to delve into is gonna be far larger, far crazier, far more multifaceted than we can possibly imagine. Wait, hold uh, up. Would, would you have fallen in love with the operating system? Yes. Sure. I, I think like anyone could fall privy to that. It's it's like literally a why. Why? Because why? today, but like, could I? Because it's the, Absolutely it's the exact proxy for what uh, companionship looks like in real life. It's like the exact same thing. Why? Why would you not? She's perfect. He's perfect. And it's like this perfect thing that you've always wanted. That intellectually stimulate, especially if you have intellectual stimulation as a love language, it intellectually stimulates you exactly the fucking way you want. How could you not fall in love with that thing? You know, it's made for so you. So many it's people, curated. yeah, that just become obsessed. And to be to be fair to your point, Nick, it's like, well, to go further on it, I should say, is it a good thing? It yeah, I think that's the next question. Thing. Is like, is this a good thing, like society wide? If, right. If loneliness is an epidemic, isn't it a good thing? No, I think this probably promotes it more than it solves it okay that's worth why and like also is there a bias of us like i don't know if you noticed but like as we get older we become typically more conservative of like the old ways and we, we often like joke about how like our parents and our grandparents like r refer to the old ways of how things should be done and how they used to be done like so is this a little bit of bias of that or is this just a new technology that like solves the problem a little better? I, I actually don't know. Yo, this this is a good point, actually. Like, um, we're familiar in crypto with the concept of Lindy. Yeah. Right. Shit that lasts. Yeah. So a good uh, Taleb talks about this in Anti Fragile. He says like, well, you're you're banned by Taleb, by the way. Yeah, yeah you got he, blocked. He, he blocked. Blo he blocked me. Was that your greatest accomplishment? Of no, I'm last sad. Year? Please unblock me, Taleb. I I've read all your books and I like them. Um, <laughs> Shouldn't have trolled him. 
I didn't troll him. I was just like, <laughs> I disagree with this take. And he was like, block. Apparently he's like very sensitive. He's very sensitive. Um, yeah. But anyway, like one of the points in the book is like a chair has Lindy. He's like, take a chair. It's one of the most ubiquitous, widely used things. It's got four legs. It's got a thing to sit on. It's got a back. Like there has been no innovation on this thing for hundreds if not thousands of years right it has lindy like it's not getting any better it's a chair and if any present anybody presents you an alternative to a chair they're like yo i have a better chair your antenna would go up and be like mm, do you because the chair is pretty good <laughs> like you wouldn't be like fuck yeah let's this chair sucks chairs chairs are a thing of the past i don't like chairs my butt needs something new you'd be like you'd be skeptical you'd be like <laughs> chairs are pretty good like you better have something good there right so if you're going to change something that's very very old and ingrained in the world like it's like a high bar for it i guess is what i'm trying to say and mm -hmm. i guess that's the essence of lindy right so like do we have a pretty high bar to pass because we're used to the old thing companionship's pretty good like yeah like real life companionship like yeah. go i don't know going out by yourself if part. you need to 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 make friends like becoming part of like and if I, were to, if I were to play it out further i think the way it goes which could easily exist is is where you have men and women both isolated in these experience pods where they get exactly what they want but then like when you sort of curate your uh ideal uh experience then you basically get milked <laughs> like as a guy yeah. you get milked and then that just goes into this depository and that depository like goes into you know like this women's version of like you know deposit me and then yeah. I, that's fine I do, I do agree that like your your take of is this ai version solving loneliness is this pro-humanity or not and to me it's certainly not pro-humanity right like i think like pro-humanity things is like actual procreation actual like social interaction and if you kind of have this technological solution that that like aids people down a path of like actual isolation, meaning they're not around real humans, but they're interacting with something human-like. What human -like. if we're thinking too limited about what it means to be human? But, but no, but but you, it ends in the procreation portion, right? Like you you do need in order to be pro-humanity, you need procreation exists in the realm that we know it to exist today. But what if it existed in different ways in the future? Well, I'm saying like you get milked and it goes into this depository, <laughs> and then you, like humanity continues to exist because you're like guys are getting fucked by a machine, but like their experience looks different. Mm -hmm. And then a girl gets inseminated by a machine, but then her experience looks and feels different. So you give me like a vending machine situation, like a deposit in a vending machine situation. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you deposit, you sounds, get out, pops a baby. It sounds like one of the pods in the Matrix, but like in a different way. And that's like, the way that I see it functioning sort of like properly. That's like the way I see it actually working, where it's like humanity continues to exist. Like that's the way it works. Hmm. It, it doesn't work if you like continue to actually fuck each other like there's no way it doesn't work there's no way because why would you ever go back into this world where you don't curate your partner you like just deal with one oh many reasons because you're an analog person and you like the uh sort of novelty of not being able to choose and push a button to get what you want and 
you want to be able to go out and go to the bar and be able to like fall for someone and engage them and see if you can get them and all the analog things like i think there's going to be this like great divide of people who are like i prefer things the way they used to be the conservative yeah. take versus the ones who are like so pro technology but that will like to get things the way they want them but don't you think that will exist along the path towards the end result which is what i'm describing where where it's like you got people who like classic cars for instance but that's like a a subset of all car owners car owners are just like you just give me like the latest and greatest fine and like then you have like this very select subset it's like i prefer the way things used to be you know and it's like a minority this will exist forever so yes armand i don't remember like the conclusion of her like does it paint a future <laughs> of like what her the, the society of like where her exists looks like and like where does the protagonist like end up i don't remember so like but is this a situation where the protagonist is in a positive situation like this ends well for him and like no no i don't remember the no, movie i don't remember either dystopian. so so i just remember Steve, him do you remember like, this i don't remember it being a heartbreak story i mean so do what do you remember of this steven uh, my, look I don't, I don't remember everything to you but i remember it being like the essence of it was oh this poor human was manipulated by this machine right. with this feeble human like emotional proclivities and now he is like putty in her hands and his life is now forever whoa and this will happen to everybody else as well because these poor humans are but emotional humans and the robots will just manipulate us to their own ends that's like it's a beautiful kind movie. of my it's take so away from good. it okay it's so good i think the key thing here is and so you know sam altman just recently spoke in front of um congress right yeah he did um i i, I and, and then of course we had the um we had the the, the letter that was signed by some incredibly important and prolific AI scientists and uh, evangelists. The fact that like so many AI evangelists got behind this letter to pause development of AI and are in favor of the government getting, like here's the thing about AI evangelists, they're way smarter than anyone in government. But okay. The people that are in government, this is, this is, you, I'm, I'm, you continue, can go, but like, all I have to say is the people that are behind the technology are way smarter than the people in government about, of course, about their realm. But also I would, I would argue like objectively speaking, like they're just smarter people, but this technology is so critically in need of regulation and universal um sort of just like principles that we all adhere to that they are at the level of understanding that this is that important and that detrimental to society if it gets out of the bag that they're going to an inferior group of people and saying we need your help because if you don't do something to control our industry it will be bad for everybody and by that i mean you have open ai google um, assembly AI, uh, I mean, everyone, Meta, like they're all sort of competing in the same direct, and not to mention the, the companies that exist outside the United States. 
that will probably usurp a lot of the, the U.S. companies very quickly, moving incredibly fast, and they need the help of the government, which notoriously has not known even how to use email. Probably a bad example, unfair, but there are people <laughs> in the government that literally don't know how to use their email. What, what do you think about that, Nick? I mean, I think it's uh, fascinating that we have a guy like Sam Altman um, who actually owns zero equity in OpenAI, which I, I learned for the first time during the Senate hearing. Yeah, congressional hearing? Yeah, the congressional hearing. Yeah. He said he owns zero equity. What a sucker. Yeah, and he says, like, um, I just do it because I love it. I mean, he's obviously, obviously, what I hope to refer to us as at some point is post-economics. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's, he, like, doesn't care about having more money. But, like, we have an, an actor uh, in this play that is doesn't care about money but he's he's clearly saying like yeah this could go good or this could go bad and um elon musk did a did an interview with david faber recently i think it was even yesterday um i think it's it's cool to watch i watched a few clips of it and and he talks about like david Who's faber's that? like david faber's a um uh like a host on cnbc and um you know elon says like or david faber questions like why do you tweet what you tweet like why like, why not just shut up and, like, make more money? And he makes a reference to a movie and goes on, but he just says, like, give me power, like, give me power, give me more money, I don't care. And and and, if, and effectually, he says, like, I will say what I want to say. I don't care if I lose money. So you, you have these two actors who are kind of imposing sides who are, like, post-economics saying, we can hmm. make this good. And this guy saying, no, this is going to end very badly. And... I'm kind of interested. Wait, wait, wait. Neither one of them said this is going to end very badly. No, no well, I think fair. I think Elon is obviously saying well, that, he like, like signed this paper. That the said probability that it could end badly. Yeah, the probability no, is the, high that it could end badly. And Sam Altman saying, "There we go." Eh, I'm, I'm, I'm weighing it more balanced. Like I'm, I'm, I feel like I have control over this, but like well, also he's in a, a interesting position. <laughs> but it's interesting that we don't have the typical levers of capitalism at play with these two actors, right? Like they're yeah. both have enough money one that literally doesn't make money off his his new company and the other Which is like the greatest possibly the greatest company that has ever existed potentially the greatest product that has ever existed the fat well clearly objectively the fastest adopted product of all time we can say right. that chat gpt like, so will this this will be an interesting play out to see like will this produce us a different result that we have two people who are not motivated by profit kind of like potentially posing opposite sides um but I, I i do think there's a place for um you know the the worst capital allocators on earth the the federal government and i don't know maybe That's they'll essentially help us. what i was trying to say no yeah you said it you, i think you said it well nah, i don't i don't think i said it well but uh, they're the worst capital allocators on the planet they're the wrong people to make the decisions but perhaps they're the best policymakers because that is actually the root of their job in so many ways. And that is what they're being called in to do is to please create policy that prevents us from destructing ourselves. But even, That's what I hear. even Elon admitted That's that his letter is literally worthless. Like he, he, he's admitted that like signing that letter meant nothing. It was futile. And I do think similarly, U.S. regulators Disagreed. will be futile Disagreed. because Sam Altman would not have been in front of Congress if it were not for that letter. Okay, possibly. No, hundred percent. But 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 the point still remains that we we made this point as a group that like it's futile because AI is a global marketplace, mm -hmm. like China, Russia, EU, 
like South America if they can, you know, put their pants on straight. But the point is, is that like, um, you know, they will continue to progress if we do not decide to. So like U.S. regulators can only regulate so much. You can only like weaponize the dollar so much to like, you know, play by your set of rules. So I, I think we'll run into the same issue. Oh, boy. Anyway. All right. That's your response? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's oh. my response. What oh, are you going to do with that? I don't know. I was switching the camera for some dramatic response from the bearded guy, and he just went, oh, so, boy. So Pat says, Elon is, Elon's also making robots. Maybe in the future he's hedging to have a robot army to fight back oh, against AI. Did or... you guys see the robots? Sure did. Yeah, of course. Wait, what robots? The so, Elon robots. The Tesla robots. Like, at first... like from like seven months ago? No. Yes. Hold on. Yes. The ones from today. What? Yesterday, so they they had there a new ones? they had a shareholders yeah. meeting. Little show. They had a shareholders meeting yesterday where they, what's the name of the robot? Do you remember? Like a Frederick or something. Unit, unit. <laughs> no, it's like unit something. <laughs> Frederick Whatever. is a t- no, I no. Would, for a I would name it. Frederick. No, it's it's some name. <laughs> I would name it like uh, Melvin or Deuteronomy. <laughs> I thought or it was like Unisom. Deuteronomy. That's like Deuteronomy. A, he wanted to name his kid Deuteronomy if it was a male. Did you ever see that episode of Seinfeld? Honestly, I still want to name my first son Deuteronomy. You ever seen that episode of Seinfeld? God bless Deuteronomy. What do you even have? Deuteronomy, come get your sandwich. And I just want to be able to say that. Deuteronomy, come get your sandwich. Like Dudo, Dude, Dude, Duder, Duder, Duder. All right, can we let Eric finish his point? Yeah, well, there's no point. Like, we saw this is a fact. It's not a point. Like, okay, uh, there was a Tesla shareholders meeting where they were talking about the Tesla robot, where Elon explicitly said that this will be our biggest value creator going forward it won't be cars or batteries like we've we've like valued tesla as an energy company or a car company or whatever and like elon explicitly said it's not that this is like basically this is a robot company i mean he's po- he's pitching the company as like post automobile in a way, yes. right? Because if it's an automobile company, it's just not worth that much. Yes. No, he didn't say post automobile. He just says it's. Just I mean, he didn't beyond. literally say post automobile. When I say it's, it, do we want to say trans automobile? It's trans. Whatever you want to say, but it's, it's just beyond like it's these it's these automobile. seven companies that you don't want to acknowledge it, exist. It, it is it is yeah. a machine that has computer vision, meaning not lidar or like whatever you want to think. Like it actually uses how we see images as we see and interprets them as we see. It's a machine that does it. So like, w- I, I, did he explain his vision on what he expands? Like why well, they're so valuable? Like, just to, is it someone, is it a robot in my home that comes out of closet and fixes yes. the toilet or so, what? Like something a lot of people get wrong about the Tesla robot versus the Boston dynamics one. Okay. The Boston one has been at play for many years, almost like a decade and a half, if I'm not mistaken, at this point. And their um, technology in terms of like how adaptive their robot is to be able to be just like aerobic is far superior. But what they're optimizing for is like this robot to basically be this like fucking athlete that can do anything you want it to do, but it can only do it for like two hours. Right. Tesla robot is designed to be a worker. It is designed to replace like factory workers and be a grinder. So it's not as impressive when you're watching it move. It's not as dynamic. It's not as aerobic. But what it is, is it's a grinder that can be like off its battery for 12 hours at a time. It can come to your home eventually maybe and cook and like clean 
or work in a factory and be able to work on an assembly line. Whereas the Boston one is just like, it's like, what the fuck did that thing, did that robot just do a backflip? Which from the Tesla perspective is like, what's the point of a backflip? Like what utility does that provide? Not saying one is better than the other. I think we'll, we'll find a utility for the backflip maybe, yeah, but the point is, cool. If you can have a robot for twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars that can uh, yeah. replace multiple people in your life at a fraction of the cost, would you take it, dude? Yes, finally, the fucking Jetsons. Yes, you would. The Jetsons delivering. Yes. On like a prediction, yes, like would. we were we were promised jetpacks, but like if we get a home robot that like comes out of the the closet and like cleans the place when does i'm not my there dishes and shit yeah it like, does my about, dishes think about how much your cleaner costs I, I i mean my cleaner costs uh approximately 400 400 a month whoa we need to shop that do we <laughs> no, Tw kidding, twice kidding. twice a month 200 dollars a pop so it's like okay um you know like like how much do you really need here like a 400 a month subscription what do you expect for that level of like payment i think you can expect quite a bit from a robot to be able to like supply more than just like a once every i think i could expect more than once every two weeks cleaning i think i, I and i think that you'd be quite happy with that <laughs> from a robot so as, really you, as we all know elon's very good at spinning a yarn and selling a vision like that's literally how right. he's like created his yeah, whole shtick. empire that's a shtick uh I, i'd like to focus on the here and now as well like in in this presentation he also explicitly said that the model y will be the best selling vehicle in the globe and in the history of the globe i want history. one so Does like um i don't want one do you guys want one well we we took a I'll what an one. uber it was that a was a model y from the office to the ballpark it it's fine it feels like uh, fine. a little futuristic it does yeah it feels it's also like awkward so like i i think that there's like multiple components moving at the same time and like we're talking about the the sort of futuristic element but at one point the model y was a futuristic element of of his uh narrative and like i think what he's suggesting is that like you know what was the future is now the now and then what what is the future will become the present eventually and yeah you know i think he's a he's a good salesman of that vision and um I would probably be a buyer. I'd be more likely to be a buyer than a seller of I mean, this vision. If, if they can get a car to like navigate in a real time scenario well, safely, better than current safety records of humans, like I would place bets that they can certainly put a robot in people's homes that could do things that like would, you know, cause people to pay for them. I know you're you're like anti Elon's like visions, I'm, but I'm like not anti Elon's visions. I just think some of them most of them don't are try hyperbolic to backtrack on and this. like fake i got yeah it. but like I'm, let's like, let's let's not say two years from now but I'm like not on that. like i stand by my statement seven years from most now. of elon's visions are hyperbolic and fake and like, you're being less hyperbolic them. about your position which is fine but all right uh, i stand by that position that position is real like so, even to this day like the cyber like, remember the cyber truck did we all forget the cyber truck oh, already? that was yeah. a big part of his presentation too what he do said, you say like, he said in the next 12 months, I will ship as many Cybertrucks as there is demand to buy them. Yeah, I, I would I encourage think I everybody to I go think back. I think I want a Cybertruck. Okay. I want to see one. Go back to the Cybertruck video. He takes a sledgehammer and hits the door with, like, the side of it's it. It's a prototype. And this then if you dumb. zoom in with it, this it's is like such one of those, a dumb, like, 
comment. No, it's fake. No, it's no, fake. It no, 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 no. This is I not. Think, good. I think what this is, is not good. Steve. He's obviously going to oh, fix that part. Really? Oh, like the fucking self-driving trailer truck. Where are those? Steven. Like he, 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 look, this is his shtick. He, it he gives you something that just tantalizes point. you and you're like, do you oh know my the God, risk? I want this to be true. Do you know the risk he took and to then, do that? Think about the risk he took the risk to he do took that. To do what? To, to make that presentation and deliver that prototype. To deliver like a truck that he broke the window accidentally in the presentation. Do you know how many times, think about how many times they did it? that presentation in preparation and it went well and then it didn't. And that was a complete bust. And they didn't want it to go. Bill that Gates did the same of presentation. Microsoft, by the way, way, blue screen of death in his presentation. Think about you. You you think that was an accident? That was a complete. I mean, of course it was an accident. But you it was, think a it was complete, an accident. You think it was an accident it was a that he hit a sledgehammer with like the side of it, and it was like one of those like rubber bounce sledgehammers. Do you think they didn't attempt to do that before the presentation? I think I think it's bullshit. I think a lot of it is bullshit. I think it's it's like look. With this stuff, like there, there's always just enough real stuff there for people to be like, wow, this is great. And I love this guy. And this is awesome. And like everybody wants to be like, this is entirely bullshit or this is entirely awesome. And the truth is like somewhere in between. It's somewhere in the middle. And like he wants both right. people in a particular spot. You know that's right. That's you know right. You know what's beautiful that's is that correct. you get to vote with your dollars if you hate the vision. Yeah, so have you much. seen the Polestar 3, by the way? That thing what's looks that? legit. What's a Polestar Short 3? Uh, you don't like it? Hoffman has the Polestar 2. What is when it? we wrote it? Well, yeah, car. Like, car. Rather, it's a I car. I would rather buy that car than a model. Yes. Y. So, Nick, the car that we drove into uh, Joshua Tree oh, that yeah, David yeah. has. Yeah. Hoffman, that's the Polestar, right? Oh. So the Polestar 3 is coming out and it looks fucking legit. I love it. And it's like a, you know, it's like it's like buying an Android when there's an iPhone, in my opinion. Like who here has an electric it. car? I don't. They, like it sounds infuriating because like you have to like I want to be able to drive to LA and back without oh. having to worry. One I tell you that I took a uh, road trip to Scottsdale, Arizona and we had to refuel like way earlier than whatever they anticipated. And how long did it take, by the way? Oh, it's so fucking 45 long. minutes. Yeah, it was it was not it 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 ran out of battery quicker than the expectation and it took longer to refuel than the I expectation. I have the opposite take. I just went to Mexico, right? Uh we went to Valle and my buddy in my forum had a Ford F-150 Lightning. This is a truck. This thing was the most luxurious car that I've ever been in in my whole life. It was a truck, all electric. The trunk, which should have been an engine, was a frunk. It was like an extra trunk. Frunk. Yeah. With an ice cooler implemented. The inside of it and the whole ride was the most smooth experience I've ever like been in. Like, it was unbelievable. What's funny about the whole thing is that... Kind of like an anti-Tesla... What caused Ford to do it was because Tesla came out and said, we're going to create a Cybertruck. And then Ford went, why don't we have an electric vehicle? And then came out with the Lightning, which is better than anything that exists on the market today. And this is an $80,000 vehicle, by the way. That's incredible. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you. But did you, it like, get to buy him back? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the nicest car I've ever been in. Was there any anxiety over the uh, battery well, life? Uh, the place we stayed had electric uh little plug-in guy charging. that's the so, thing i don't want because like you know uh gas stations are 
pretty good at what they do. Like within minutes, you can refuel a car for the next like 500 yeah, but miles. What if there was as many gas stations as there was electric fucking pumps? Yeah, but where does the like energy source come from? That electricity is what I I, I oh, come back to, and, and we'll that. talk about that's, that. That's a different episode. Yeah, yeah it is a different episode. The problem isn't that there aren't electric chargers. It's like when you get to the electric gas station, you have to go inside and like sleep for fuck around for 45 like, one minutes, to three hours to yeah get your thing charged which is, is a bad experience for people who like to road trip but and when we when we road trip to arizona what we found was that like this one is a supercharger this was a supercharger these two are not but the two that are are occupied and then like you you kind of like get rugged solvable problem i agree solvable problem like it will be solved over time but still uh not not gonna get my dollars for now you're not an electric guy no no I'm I'm honestly like uh, conflicted whether it's like a good environmental impact or not. Like we're we're trading off, you know, fossil fuels for mm. uh, rare earth minerals. Well, Elon talked about that. He said that his uh, future cars will have zero rare earth minerals, and every of uh, course he said every that. Uh, cobalt, that. every piece of cobalt in the supply chain will be. Um, audited to make sure that there are no um underage workers sure it just runs on so sorry. urine uh, be, beyond the cobalt what was the comment about so so he specifically said cobalt they're going to audit the supply chain and make sure make that, sure it's not what we talked about exactly what we talked about and he's the only guy who's like really sort of explicitly targeted that conversation it's great, great and right? in addition he said in future cars we're going to make it so that they're we're not relying on rare earth minerals we're going to reduce the, I don't even remember what the fuck he was talking about. It's like X, Y, we're going to reduce the X, Y, Z reliance to make it so that we are so non Stan Druckenmiller thinks copper is like one of the best demand yes. supply. Did, did Elon even, mention copper at all? Elon said we're reducing our carbon reliance, uh, sorry, our copper reliance to almost have zero copper in our vehicles. Okay. What's, what's the deal here? Like we've talked about this a little bit with, with electric cars, like, What's Seinfeld? What's the deal? What's the like? deal? You know, come on, uh, Steven. Uh, pasa. So, you know, um, don't worry. You're fine. That's it's so going to be okay. Um, what? Because I'm racist and you're Italian? Yes. So, thank you. You're not actually real Italian. You're mostly Native American. Yeah, you're uh, mostly. You yeah. claim Which that one flag. You right? Whichever one Which one to has the most benefits? Be Which one? I can be both, you racist motherfucker. <laughs> so, what's the deal from a simple perspective with why the electric car is a con? Like, I've never understood this. Like, okay, you have to draw electricity from the grid. That's obvious. Is there a way to create a sustainable path to electric cars? I feel like this is the case with all new tech, right? When the tech comes out, it's not that good. It sucks for a variety of reasons. It sucks from a use case perspective. And then it also sucks when you take a step back and look at, well, how do we produce this? Right. But the reason new tech gets adopted is because there's this core group of fanboys that I think is like so excited by the vision of the future, which is often accurate, right? That they overlook that and their demand propels it forward because you have to have the demands to get like your unit costs down on whatever your raw materials are and your friend. like all this is necessary. So I think to some degree, when you, you put a new product out in the world, 
you are selling a vision of what it could be, not what it is, because what it is in the moment usually sucks, actually, like if you strip all the hype away. Do you at your core level, because I, I honestly, I know we disagree a lot, but I really feel like fundamentally we agree in a lot of ways. Do you truly feel that there's a problem with that? A problem with what, like the hype cycle in general? problem with proposing a future that does not exist today that is uh one that we as a species want to acquire and is like optimistic and desirable like i at all. i, I do like, what's be, the problem I, with that it's a problem because literally every single snake oil type product that has ever existed from the dawn of man has promised somebody a future state that is better than their current state that if they just buy this product everything will be good and they don't have to give up anything in return other than like these quantifiable dollars which is just far like the in the, the benefits are far in excess of that so you have nothing to lose everybody has always made that pitch right so we should always be skeptical of that pitch that's always like where the incentives lie and like we give like a pass to a lot of people in the green energy sector because we look at we zoom out and look at a world where we just are powered by the sun or the energy of the universe we're like this like uh you know class two or class three civilization that can just harness all the energy of the sun harness all the energy of the universe we're like wow if we could get there we could have infinite re and we just think of that and we just skip to that and we just skip over all of the shit in the middle like with electric cars like the cobalt and the lithium and the production and that's just the production under them and once you have them you have to charge them and then like what does the grid look like like everybody wants you to gloss over that and to an extent that's good because if we didn't gloss over it people would be like no this is fucked and we just wouldn't do it so there's some like suspended disbelief that's needed people have to ignore that so that we can actually you know push the boulder down the hill and get it moving but also there's a point where you're like, ah, that's not really realistic. So we we have to ask questions. But yeah, I forgot what you asked me, but I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm somewhere oh, in between on all this. Me. Okay. <laughs> so you're not anything. Yes, that's right. I'm not I can't anything. label you? I am literally so I, I literally can't label you. I'm a skeptic. If I had I'm to a, label I'm a skepto-optimist. If I had... Okay, there it is. Thank you. I just coined that term. That sounds like an optimist. I think that an optimist's <laughs> nature is to be skeptical. We should all be skeptical. I think I think Kevin Kelly had described it that way. Yes. Did he not? Yes. He's he's a skepto-optimist about crypto. He's Generally optimistic about, about the future. He has some questions, as he should about any new tech but he's generally optimistic i don't think it's useful to be like no it's all fucking stupid shut it all down it's all useless. it's gonna take us all to hell yeah but at the same time you can't just be like what's elon doing now oh that's great we're gonna go to mars and we're gonna colonize the whole solar system and we're all gonna get jetpacks and it's that's not good either but at the same time we do need people to do that outlandish stuff it, it's it's like a balance i don't know it's it's messy and complicated that's my that's my answer i'd like to uh point out that uh marty in the chat as a recap um he pointed out that steven he said 
um, Larry David in the chat was complaining about his oh, um, $19, $19 hot dog plus tips. <laughs> Larry David, he called you. Um, also, I want to uh, circle back on uh, Boston Dynamics comment. Got, oh, some, yeah, got yeah. some talk in the chat as well. Like, If you're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, Mark Milley, he's the current uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He did a great uh, interview with the Foreign Affairs magazine. You can search for it on YouTube. It's done in the last 10 days. He talks about how to avoid a like superpower war between like Russia, US, China, US. But also at the end, he talks about what he thinks future wars will look like and how to reposition. And certainly uh, robots are part of his vision, which is Nick, kind of I, creepy. I have an offer for you. Yeah, an offer. <laughs> yeah. Can you refuse can he refuse it? Of course he can. Yeah. No, he can't. I have you a, cannot refuse this offer. Of course he can't. I feel like you're the type of person that enjoys your time to yourself. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, like the airport time was fantastic. Okay. So I'm on this tip lately where originally I wanted to go to a cabin by myself. I have this dream. I have this like Walden you have, dream. You have a dream. I was say, is this a Walden situation? Yeah, very I Walden. have a Walden dream. Very Walden. Okay. <laughs> so I have this Walden dream that I want to go to a cabin by myself for a long period of time. Talk to my wife about it, as you guys talk know. To, or talk to your daughter about it. My wife is uh, my daughter is not okay with this. My, <laughs> <laughs> my my daughter has refused my request, but my wife is supportive of a like one month sabbatical where i'm just gone right i'm just gone and i go to a cabin and then i had this moment where i realized i was like what if the cabin was moving because movement creates creativity what if it was on a train what if i was on a train the whole time okay so then i started going down the youtube rabbit hole of like long distance train travel on in india is like a great place to do or that. the um trans siberian yep yeah, or I feel like, like this is a movie. It is. You're in a movie right now. And <laughs> and 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 it's and it's your movie and and we're all in it, Steven. Snowpiercer. That's <laughs> and, the movie. Oh, that is a movie. That is a movie. Move your the way up to the front. Humanities on like a train. Yeah, yeah. Move your way up to the that. front. So my question is how interested would you be cuz this is something I'm going to do in the next year as a life goal to go on a long distance train trip? It wouldn't be a month. It'd be like a week. Because okay. the longest train that exists is like uh, going from like uh, Ontario to like uh, Vancouver or like yeah. Chicago to like California. There is a long one in India, but it's that's that's a whole different world. Sounds that's like a lame train. That's, that's you know, the longest train in the world is Chicago to California. No, it really is. <laughs> like, no, because they have. The, I, I think the longest one is in Australia. Honestly, I think it might be Australia. It, it, it's probably like a like a Sydney or Melbourne to Perth kind yeah. of trip. Um, but anyway, I have this dream of being bored, and what I mean by that is that I never get bored. I want so much time that I would just be able to like sit and read and like do my thing with. So anyway, that's my like. What's the offer though? To join me on this adventure. Oh, I mean, I, I'll happily join a you. Train on really? Adventure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're, I'm, yeah. I'm still bartering. I feel like you'd be on the borderline of like wanting that, Stephen. And I, I feel like Eric's Eric, not, like, not, not at all. Not in. Oh, okay. You're not, you're out. Cause we learned that from we've done two to three day boredom scenarios. We've done that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like a week is not, not unattainable. Um, but like, 
I'm currently bartering for this Bhutan trip. I'm trying Ooh. to get my girlfriend to come with me. Is that the happy place? It is the happy place. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get her to come. I do want to this Nepal plane crash has thrown a little wiggle in my in my pitch. Just but anyway, like if she doesn't come, I'm gonna go solo. It's fine. If if that if that comes to it, so I may I uh, use my bartering chips up with this Bhutan trip. But uh, I'm 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 into it. You could train travel around there. Um, I think train travel is beautiful. I love it. I think it's like, okay, so you're into it. I love train travel as a form of travel. I don't like prisons. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, wait, if, when does it become a prison versus when is it like a beautiful way to travel? Well, I think like you can, like, I could be in the comforts of wherever I am and do the things that you described yeah. without having to be on a, the longest train on earth, you know? Interesting. There's one in South America that's really good, but it goes up to like 14,000 feet elevation and it's like a whole thing. But yeah, there's a lot of these out there. I've, I literally fell into the YouTube train travel. I think, is I'll that go. a niche? What you a niche. Like what you've described in the past is that uh, when you get into travel mode, you change your whole dynamic. Like, Everything changes. For you. Like my like, entire, like, like literally everything changes you go into a walden-esque state where you read and write only you right. don't like it necessarily ingest like real-time internet type I just information feel like i'm on best self yeah yeah it's just a special place just so. a special place in first class on you know going from you know continent to continent that's fine it's fine um yeah, that's great all right this boys. has been this has been really awesome I hope you guys like the the new studio. Like it's it's we like. I did it. not expect to go this long, by the way. But here we are. Uh, what happens Steven when you even made me? Yeah, hope, great, great abridged. I hope Bandit likes it. Yeah, well done. Um, yeah. If you guys are in the chat, don't know who we are, what we are, like definitely like and subscribe if you if you haven't already. Um, alphalphapod.com has all the links to hop in the Discord, which is where. Most of the people you see in the chat, which Josh mentions, all the alpha yeah, if is you like talking in about trains chat. and batteries. And <laughs> that was a terrible pitch. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you want to hear a story about a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, we're in the Discord every day. Uh, most of the communities in the Discord every day. So come join us if you aren't already. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Did you guys see the Tetris movie? I did. Movie? It's so good. It's so good. The what movie? Tetris. Tetris. Oh, I want to. It's so good. I actually wanted to ask Watch you guys Watch about the Air movie. But... I'm watching that tonight if I can. Okay. I already watched it. Ooh. Damn it. Let's talk about it next week. Yeah, next week. Okay, I heard it's really good. It's decent. It's very Let's decent. Not, no Above spoilers. Decent. I don't want to pre-blow your mind. Tetris was incredible, though. Well, That guy was in... Um, he's a bruv from... Uh, bruv? Um, Kingy Blinders? Oh, Kingsman. Okay. But anyway, yeah, there's a true story, like what happens in Tetris. And it's like a mix of like geopolitics and like entrepreneurship, yeah. which yeah, I, I feel like our, our, our crew would, would definitely yeah. enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was great. All right, cool. Yeah. Any, any closing thoughts? No, just um, join us every week. Let's do this. Let's have some fucking fun. And we love you guys. Yeah. Thank Peace. you to everybody for joining us in the live chat. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Peace. Love you.